0: I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as scary stories, trolls, franchises, and director's bodies of work. And
1: of course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're late again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just like my period.
0: Oh, oh, I think you should go see your doctor, but um, not for... The reason you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. And we're back, yes. We've been prepping on this one for quite a while. Hopefully, there's stuff there. Substance. <laughs> I've got lots in mind. It's just all Norwegian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I guess I should say, we're recording this on June 20th, 2023. And this is the 81st episode where we're covering director Andre Overdahl. Yeah. Yeah. Which we've uh, we've touched on him before. We've, we've covered one of his films. Yes. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm recording at home. Kids, background. Let's just get it out the way, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'll mix it out the best I can. But before we dive into uh, our director here, let's go over all the housekeeping bullshit, right? Yeah. Current news, I only wanted to go back a week or so because I don't remember what I did in the bonus episode. <laughs> Not a whole lot. Seems to have happened in the past month or so. <laughs> okay. Hopefully I have fun shit. Diablo 4 came out. It's been pretty big so far. Yeah, yeah.
1: I haven't played it, but I've I've seen people talking about it. So, yeah.
0: I refuse to look at my hours played. Oh, damn. It's not good, I'm sure. And by not good, I mean I've played a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I love Diablo games. (laughs) Linda Hamilton is going to be in Stranger Things Season 5. I'm okay with this. I do think it's crazy that we're just now finding that out this week, though, and how many years ago was season four uh yeah (laughs) maybe (laughs) just a year you know because ever since covid time's not a straight line anymore
1: no it's not well ever
0: since cern but that's another episode huh (laughs) (laughs) i saw there's a halloween two board game coming out and i don't know the objective of it other than you're supposed to survive from michael myers but the board and like the pieces on it look badass oh okay It looked badass enough that I'm going to find out who made it and see if they made a Halloween one game. (laughs) So we don't have to do the hospital one. (laughs) I was going to bring this movie up, and then I got uh, a little extra tidbit information. Suitable flesh. Have you seen the poster or anything about it? No. I know nothing of this. (laughs) So the poster looks pretty damn cool. I'll send you the picture later. And it's like an old school style, and I knew it was Lovecraftian horror. Okay, and it's got Heather Graham, Barbara Crampton, and Judah Lewis. You know from oh. the Babysitter episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's some other people in it, but those were the three main names that stood out. But what I found out last night when I was making our notes is not only is it Lovecraftian horror; it's not that it's inspired by Lovecraft. It's literally the thing on the doorstep. Oh no, shit! Retold, and Joe Lynch is making it. No shit, I like that guy. Yeah, I know you do. That's what I was telling you. But I didn't know <laughs> Joe Lynch was making it when I originally put it on my notes. So
1: yeah, take that, you slacker ass, Adam Green.
0: <laughs> Just don't make another hatchet movie, please. <laughs> I don't want to revisit it. I don't want to revisit it. Too much too fast. I mean they weren't bad, but I don't want to have to go back yet. Not yet. <laughs> Blade is pushed back to 2025. Eh,
1: I'll wait. I'm I'm fun.
0: I know, I know as long as it's good, right?
1: I don't have much hope,
0: so I'll wait. <laughs> I just want to see what they do with it. That's like, are they my going to go dark or PG-13?
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know. Bad, Jesse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is Disney Marvel.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Then this I, isn't uh, Sony Marvel.
0: Uh, this is Disney
1: Marvel. Oh, man. I can't wait to pirate this. I mean, yeah, I'll see it when I see it.
0: <laughs> Deadpool 3 is supposed to be rated R still, and that's Disney Marvel.
1: Yeah, that's. I'll find ways to watch that. i like me some Deadpool.
0: <laughs> I think he's going to be great playing Blade, though, so I just want to see it. We shall see. Only a couple other news items here. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game pre-orders are now available.
1: Oh, shit. Get yours today at whereverthefuck.com.
0: Right. I haven't pre-ordered it yet (laughs) because I'm going to kind of like see how it goes. These asymmetrical games are motherfucker. Like sometimes you just don't know how they're going to (laughs) be. And did you know about the Twisted Metal TV show?
1: I thought I heard this mentioned somewhere, but that's like it. Like, so is it like a thing?
0: Yeah, there's trailers. Oh, shit. The cars look cool. They showed Sweet Tooth and he looked like Sweet Tooth live action. Okay. I mean, they didn't hold back. Like it's, it looks like Sweet Tooth. Okay. He's a crazy serial killer. I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about it having like a singular main character that's following as kind of like a hero. And I don't know how much story they're going to try to put into it.
1: Oh, that's the thing. Dig into the backstory of the characters and why they're there. Do like Mortal Kombat how how Mortal Kombat always should have been done as a movie that's been teetered on the, the, the brink of doing it right several times. But like, yeah, just go into the characters, backstories and why they're competing. Like, that's all you need for, like, some substance.
0: The problem is, and it's funny that you said Mortal Kombat, because, you know, the most recent Mortal Kombat film had a character that's not in the games as the main character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what they're doing here. From oh, what fuck. I can tell, it's starring Anthony Mackey. I don't know if you know that is, but like he plays Falcon in the Marvel movies, like Falcon and Winter Soldier, and he's like in the Captain America movies. Okay, and his character's name is John Doe. Wow, original. I mean, I guess technically he could end up being one of the drivers of one of the cars, and they just don't know his name yet. They yeah, call yeah. him John Doe. But, and I'll be honest, I didn't recognize anybody else. I think when I looked last, so. Oh well, no, I think Nev Campbell's in it, but I don't oh, know. Like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Oh my God, I just pulled it up and it says Will Arnett's playing Sweet Tooth. So never mind, this what? just got way cooler. <laughs> I pulled it up to see if I was crazy on the Nev Campbell thing. And it says, yeah, she's playing Raven and Will Arnett's Sweet Tooth. Okay. I don't know, I mean, I'll probably watch it, but it's a TV show and it's going to be on Peacock, I think. Okay. July 27th. It's coming soon. So Sweet. Man, I stuck on that way longer than I thought I was going to, but uh, <laughs> we really did play the shit out of those games when we were kids. Yeah.
1: Now, speaking of games and news, um, so I'm still playing uh, Breath of the Wild, you know, like six years later and shit. And uh, <laughs> s- summer games done quick has happened. And I watched this motherfucker do a Breath of the Wild speedrun blindfolded. And yeah. uh, he wasn't using the, the shoot across the map bomb trick. I forget what it's actually called. Okay. Like, he, I mean, he did some skips, but. Okay, so when I watched the Mike Tyson's punch-out blindfolded, it was like, this is the pinnacle of of blindfolded sound cue gaming. But watching somebody beat Breath (laughs) of the Wild in an hour and 30 minutes blindfolded, it was just like...
0: I'm willing to try punch-out blindfolded, because most of the attacks I dodge are hit off of sound anyways. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably fuck it up big time, though.
1: (laughs) In other gaming horror news... The Last of Us, officially announced for Halloween Horror Nights, both coasts. Like, like, we didn't see that coming, but it's it's real now.
0: It's nice to have it official, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So now we begin the saga of announcements every two weeks until they just go, fuck it, here's the rest of it. So uh, I'll keep you posted.
0: <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't even put this on my news notes. I don't know how I forgot, but you said video game news, and it reminded me. John Carpenter's got a video game coming out that's kind of like a Left 4 Dead shooter hell yeah toxic commando oh hell yeah i sent it to you and uh ginger the trailer oh yeah i need to watch that of course he scored it <laughs> <laughs> and i think it said saber interactive is putting it out and what's interesting about that those are the guys that make the evil dead game also
2: oh
0: and the most recent mortal kombat game mortal kombat one no the recent one yeah more.
1: yeah yeah they they're, they're doing the xbox thing the, the new Mortal Kombat. Uh, Mortal Kombat okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. okay, okay,
0: okay, <laughs> okay. But I've been in contact with them, and we might be interviewing them soon. Hell yeah!
1: I'll keep my bleeding vagina jokes to myself.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, it's a little different than what we normally do, but it's content. They've y'all made some. It's content. <laughs> They're making some horror games right now, and I kind of want to know. How they got the rights to all the Evil Dead stuff, considering it's different studios that don't like each other, and they have characters from every movie and the show all in one game somehow. <laughs> but I guess that was the announcement. I, I would rather it be, hey, we're interviewing these guys on this day, but I've been in contact with them and back and forth, and they're on a press tour right now, but oh, okay, it'd be awesome. Updates and corrections. I got jack shit, and it's not because we're awesome. It's because the last episode was just a uh, off the cuff opinion based <laughs> discussion about films we had seen and bruce rama so i i don't have anything to correct have at it fact checkers i bet there's still something wrong probably i uh, blame me i do know i technically i guess there was a correction i named the episode like bruce campbell in a cave or something comma you know the movies and stuff okay. and then i remembered it was called bruce rama and i updated everything and it's like you're going to force a re download of this episode. It had been an hour already, so yeah. I didn't rename it. Like, <laughs> it's listed properly, but the file's wrong, I think. No, oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, fact checkers, you got us there. <laughs> what we've watched, I'm sure my list is longer than this, but this is what I for sure know I watched since the last one. Okay. Yellow jacket season two. All right. Warlock one and two, which I had seen before, but I wanted to watch them. <laughs> and then like the next day they resume the search for Julian Sands, because they still haven't found his body to pronounce him dead yet. But I think the snow melted. Uh, Ginger snaps two and three. You did that. Of my own free will, and it wasn't for an episode, <laughs> and I finally went there and did it. I just jones for werewolf shit every now and then. <laughs> I think the second one's my favorite. Oh shit. It was a good movie. I like the whole being, you know, locked in the like rehab facility in the Wolf hunting her down it was pretty cool. The third one, I'd have to watch it again. I mean, basically, it was just a reboot, like at a different time. Yeah. But it was filmed the best and probably had the better of the, spe- I don't know. The special effects are, the world looked really good in the second one. I know it was can be. So, and I've watched the first three episodes of Black Mirror season six and they have not disappointed yet. Really? Oh, yeah. I love Black Mirror. I don't know if you watched that one. Oh, yeah. 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 We just haven't watched the new season. I like the second one a lot. And the third one you can tell is the one that they're going to try to win an award off of. And they got Josh Hartnett in the motherfucker. Uh-oh. Because, you know, he doesn't act that often anymore. Yeah. But it, it was pretty good. And one of the episodes, I'm not sure which one, is a basically a backdoor pilot for his next show, Red Mirror, which is going to be horror without technology and social commentary. Oh, okay. So I think he just wants to, he wants to do something separate, but he doesn't want to fuck Black Mirror up, so he's going to make another show. I'm okay with this. Yeah, it's funny. I looked at his um, writing credits, and before Black Mirror, he really hadn't done much. Like the guy just kind of came out swinging. Damn. But uh, what'd you watch?
1: Um, we watched uh, Ringu, like you know the Japanese ring. Okay. I feel like I would have had a hard time following it if I hadn't seen the remake. <laughs> but this is me reading a movie, so take take what you will of that.
0: Um, How similar are they? Uh, extremely.
1: Like, okay. Like extremely similar. Yeah, I it's been a minute since I've watched the other one, but like even when they watched the tape, it's like everything on the tape's the same, except there, there was some shit added in the American one. So, okay. The sequel to Unfriended, Unfriended Dark Web. <laughs> That's going to be a pass for me. I think the wife kind of liked it. I mean, if you're just jonesing for something and you like found footage, laptop chat session, is that a video game or snuff film type movies like that, then yeah. Ha. Huh. Dead Time Stories. Real shitty 80s movie. Can't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of can't recommend, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Um, I refuse. So uh, also watched uh, John Wick Chapter 4. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to be done with that series. Like, I get it. I get it. It's it's it, it's it's a visual spectacle, but we had so much story and heart in the first two, and so much action in the second two <laughs> that I'm like, where where'd we go? Just a couple more here.
0: I also watched John Wick 4 when I was on vacation. I guess that was after we recorded. Oh, okay, it was all right. I liked it. It had some cool fights. Yeah, <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting a little absurd now. Exactly. But yeah, the blind guy is a bit too much a bit too much no no that's donnie yen and i will watch him in anything i got
1: no problem with him
0: (laughs) it's funny because he was in rogue one and he's blind in that also jesus talk about typecast and he's not actually blind. i mean he's been in a lot of martial arts movies he's also a fight choreographer a lot or at least used to be so you've seen a bunch of stuff that he did the fights for but he's got like some funny lines like they get kidnapped in star wars rogue one he gets a bag like they start throwing bags over everybody's heads and they throw a bag over his head and you just randomly hear him go, Are you kidding me? I'm blind. And like that was ad-libbed, right? Like yeah. he likes to do that shit. He's a funny guy, so.
1: Anyways. Um, saw it at Goodwill and bought it. Um, finally watched cop out, <laughs> the Kevin Smith movie with Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis? And yeah, yeah, I saw it
0: when it came out. It's got some
1: hilarious parts in it, but all in all, it's kind of meh. Right. The Super Mario Brothers movie, I promise I only got a couple more. I liked it. I was I was ready to shit on it and I'm like this was uh, every everything you can critique but I mean I was like I'm okay with this with the modern animation and like we're going to go with this yeah. story and everything and the opening of the movie with the attack and and just it, That's it,
0: my favorite part the
1: penguins yes. are you
0: ready to yield <laughs> <laughs> Yeah fucking it,
1: it was great now they're talking about doing a Zelda movie in the same vein I don't know. I, I go back to that. Was it Was it Ing that did the April Fool's uh, Legend of Zelda live action trailer like ten years ago? Maybe even more. Yeah, that was pretty
0: cool. Deadly yeah, out. I'd
1: rather have that, but I, then it just be <laughs> too much like Legend. So maybe I just stick with Legend.
0: How long was the Peaches song? stuck in your head for
1: it was already stuck in my head because i'd watch the music video before seeing the movie i was, I was <laughs> pretty fucked. As
0: shit <laughs> the girls love that one i have to play it in the car all the time and then i spend the next four days uh, peaches 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 uh, anyways um <laughs> we're big fans as you can tell
1: uh this movie called excision which uh-huh i forget the girl's <laughs> name have you seen it no, I don't know what you're talking Oh, about. <laughs> dude. It's, it's a coming-of-age film about a chick whose cheese has done slid way off of her cracker. Um, it's from like a few years ago. Okay. It's really fucked up. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll put the whole movie in a nutshell by describing one scene. She's sitting on the toilet, and she pulls out a tampon, and she sniffs it, and I'm just going to leave it there. And that's kind of where her brain is with, like, how do things work? What is this dead thing? Like, it, 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 uh, she fucked up. Anyways, really fucked up movie. <laughs> and uh, I made Ginger watch Basket Case 1 and 2. Um, <laughs> I haven't bring, seen this forever. <laughs> I could not bring myself to go watch the third one after watching 2 again. I forgot 2 was that damn bad. But, yeah, yeah. that's what I've watched.
0: Does it make you, like, feel... Where the influence from Malignant came from, for sure, when you watch Basket Case 1?
1: Oh, dude, totally. And what fucked with me is I remembered Basket Case 1 out of order. Like, when it got to the <laughs> flashback scenes, I was like, oh, shit, I thought the movie started from there. And then went to the surgery and the craziness. Like, oh, no, all that shit's told in flashbacks. I
0: totally fucking forgot. <laughs> I thought I'd never seen Warlock 2, and I watched it and remembered the entire plot instantly and just realized I thought it was another movie. Duh. Because it basically is. <laughs> But you remember when I used to always go evil like an old lady yes. in point? It's from that movie. Okay,
1: <laughs> <I> totally <laughs> forgot.
0: Um, there was one more thing I watched. I forgot about it. I was pleasantly surprised. Do you remember? Uh, I think we saw the trailer for it when we went and saw a different movie together like six months ago. But a movie called Missing, where the it's basically from like her webcam the whole time. Like a little girl, it's not a little girl, she's like 18, but her mom and boyfriend go missing in another country or whatever, and she's trying to track them down and hack stuff. And then the whole movie's done using like her computer screen and her webcam. Okay. And they like, CGI made like the interface and stuff like that. It was cool. I watched a behind the scenes thing on it. I didn't expect a whole lot out of the movie and it popped up on Netflix and it was PG-13 and my eight-year-old daughter was wanting to watch, you know, something semi-horror and it sounded crime enough that, that my wife wanted to watch it, too, and we watched it. It was actually a pretty good fucking movie. Oh, damn. I can see, like, if, if your complaints, I don't like the text messages popping up and, and the computer interface and stuff being in the movie. Regularly, okay, you're probably not going to get over that, but <laughs> I thought it was kind of a neat touch because the only other movie that I'd ever seen, like, a trailer of that did that was made by the same person, and it was, like, an indie movie, and this is basically they remade the movie from scratch with a budget. Okay. Different characters. So it was kind of neat.
1: Well, I can handle watching all the shit on the screen after watching the Unfriended sequel because you've got Dude in his Facebook account. He's also logged into the Facebook account of the person whose laptop he stole. He has three different chat sessions going on, and then he's in a Skype call with five other people all at the same time.
0: Oh, yeah. That's worse than this. It's
1: like, ah. (laughs) Luckily, it's not like that for too long.
0: Anyways, I think we've uh, spent a good bit of time on the intro type stuff. We should probably (laughs) dive in. Oh, Okay. Watch it be not as long as I thought. Nah, It's definitely longer when we do this in person, though, because we just start sidebar. <laughs> yeah, we reason. do. All right. Andre Overdahl. Yeah, that guy. I found a little bit of information on his backstory. <laughs> Heard a couple interviews with him. Seems like a really nice guy. He was pretty funny, and he's extremely down to earth. Yeah. He started out doing shorts, but just a couple of them. But then he pretty much dove straight into making feature films. And they all did well. It's just crazy, like, how quick he jumped out. Like so many directors that we cover, he started out making short films at home on VHS or, you know, Super 8 or, and stuff like that, right, with his friends. Yep. And he did some action shorts, and then he made a horror short. That's <laughs> the air quote sound, guys. That was like an hour and 20 minutes long. That sounds like him. <laughs> About a guy being possessed by his Ouija board. Oh, Interesting. Sounds like something two other assholes have been working on a little bit that we are very close to. I've never seen it though, so hopefully it's a completely different film, but <laughs> he says that he still owns all of them on VHS and he watches them every now and then and he will fucking never show them to anyone because they are terrible, but he learned a lot from fucking up to be able to do what he does now. There you go. And the other cool thing I found before I kind of go into his backstory was... Apparently, he likes to rewrite his screenplays from scratch when he goes back. to the <laughs>
1: the Yes, he does.
0: <laughs> right. So instead of like reading through and editing it, he just says, fuck it. And he starts it over from memory. He's like, Jay-Z just goes from there. So, huh? <laughs> Have you
1: not ever heard about that? Uh. Uh-uh. I've made that joke before in music. So uh, I do the same thing. So it was an interview or something. And I don't know how true or not this is that uh, Jay-Z does not write lyrics that he'll sit there and listen to the beat or whatever and go over it in his head. And if it's not good enough to immediately memorize it in his head, it's not good enough to produce and publish. And so if it's good enough for him to memorize right there on the spot, he records it and then it's worth releasing. And, uh, I'm like, holy crap, that's like genius. So I'll start doing that when I'm working on a song that I won't write down the words. I'll drive around and just listen to the music and write in my head until it's a memorized song before I start recording it. But in all seriousness, I think Andre Overdahl's the kind of the same way, like, oh, nope, 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 nope. If it wasn't good enough, it wasn't good enough. Let's go back to square one.
0: (laughs) And one of the screenwriting books that I've read recently, I don't remember which ones, there's been a few, somebody suggested doing that, and I'm like, that. That sounds like a lot of work. That's brutal. (laughs) That's brutal. (laughs) Uh, I'm just more surprised that Josh just said that he was inspired by (laughs) (laughs) Jay-Z. Anyways, so Andre Overdahl, he did start out making films, like I said earlier, uh, as a kid for fun and decided to try to make a career out of it. And he went to film school in the United States in Santa Barbara, California. I guess it's probably a good time to say that he's Norwegian. Yeah. If I didn't already. (laughs) And uh, he finished school, went back to Norway, and he started directing commercials, which it seems like that happens a lot. You end up editing commercials, directing commercials, or whatever after film school. Yeah. And he made a Norwegian comedy film that I didn't catch the name, and I'm sure it's easily searchable, but (laughs) he made that, and it, it was only out in Norway, but it was really well received. And he was getting a little bit of steam from that, and that's when he came up with the idea for Troll Hunter and wrote it, and he pitched it, and everybody liked the idea that he pitched it to, and he was able to get the film made. Yep. Even though it is like a goofy, found-footage-type flick, it actually did really well and got a cult following pretty quick, and... He said his career just kind of shot up from there. Like, it was really easy for him to get jobs making films he wanted after that one. Like, it escalated, though, as it went. So he got to make <laughs> Autopsy of Jane Doe, right, which we've covered on here before. Yep. And it was, like, just blowing up on the on the film festival circuit before it even came out, right? It's like his name was getting thrown around, and he started getting pitch after pitch, including, like, a Transformers movie and shit.
2: <laughs> like, they were,
0: they were like, here's A blockbuster movies, make it. He's like, I don't really want to do that. And <laughs> He says that if you, like, come out with, like, one one movie strong early on, that you have this small window as a director where everyone wants you and you can just make whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Right? And you just got to, like, jump on it. And that's kind of like what happened with uh, Fetty Alvarez, right? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, he continued to get work and make films that he wanted to make up to the point where he got to work with Guillermo del Toro. On scary stories. And he said, once you get to work with Guillermo del Toro on a film, it's pretty easy to make films you want to make. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, basically, learn your craft, work hard, learn to pitch great, (laughs) (laughs) and make a good movie, and you get to keep working, is what he said. And uh, I'm going to go over some things that he made. Probably honestly covered pretty much everything in the genre, but he has a movie coming out that was not announced until after we decided to cover him, and that was kind of fun, and that is The Last Voyage of the Demeter, yep. which is like a short chapter in Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's the part, if you've only seen the movie, where he rides on the boat over to London, <laughs> and somehow he made a movie out of it, and the trailer looked good, and Dracula looked like a scary fucking bat demon. I like where he's going with it. It looks straight horror with no comedy. No kid angle. Yeah. There's a kid in it, but I mean, it's not for kids, right?
1: Not saying once
0: it's something that he wanted to make. So I'm actually really excited for it because I'm a big vampire fan, as everybody knows. And one last thing, and this is probably in my notes somewhere, but this seems like as good of a place as any need to put it. But one of the things Josh and I really like about Andre Overdahl is that none of his movies are the same. Nope. And I don't mean it in a bad way. Like he's inconsistent or something. He has made things that he wrote and didn't write. And they're all different types of horror or non-horror. And he can make just completely unique movies that feel different, but you can still tell they're him.
1: Yeah. It's, it's weird. It, it's refreshing and, and different. And like to the point of not realizing like, Oh, this is the guy that made these movies. And then you start looking at right. it. And it's like, Whoa, well, this is all the same guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like I could see the last voyage of the Demeter being like autopsy of Jane Doe maybe that'll be the first time we see something more similar because the the trailer kind of reminds me of that really dark, creepy-ass style. Yeah. But yeah, that's Andre Overdahl in a nutshell, so I guess we can go ahead and dive into our two films. Yeah. I am going to cover 2019's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I was a little scared to watch this one. I didn't watch it for the first time now for the podcast, but when it came out, I was scared to see it because... It's a very beloved book series to me.
1: Don't you ruin my childhood, asshole.
0: <laughs> and a huge part of who I am now is from reading those books and the way I'm a horror. And then I saw Guillermo del Toro wrote it originally and was going to direct it originally and got busy. And then I hired somebody that he thought could do a great job with it. And I'm like, you know what? I really liked Autopsy of Jane Doe, and Guillermo del Toro usually doesn't steer me wrong. So <laughs> let's watch it, and 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 you know we'll get into it a little deeper. But it's it's a good movie for for what it is, right? For what they're working with and the the target audience. But let's go over the cast and crew. It's directed by Andre Overtoll. Yeah,
1: guy. <laughs> it just keeps coming up.
0: <laughs> Troll Hunter, which Josh is going to get to here in a little bit. Troll! Autopsy of Jane Doe, <laughs> which we've covered. And Scary Stories in the dark, which I'm about to cover. And then he did a movie called Mortal, which is like an ordinary kid gets superpowers kind of thing. It kind of sounded like a Norwegian version of Chronicle,
1: but oh, it's like a I kind of want to watch it. Ginger watch it. It's like a Thor origin story.
0: <laughs> I know what movie it is now <laughs> <laughs> because I remember seeing previews for like what looked like a Thor origin story by a Norwegian director. And I just, I don't think I realized it was him until just now.
1: Yeah. Kid in village finds hammer. <laughs>
0: oh yeah (laughs) gonna watch that one she said it was really good a lot of fun i haven't watched it. (laughs) the writing um this is gonna be a big one this is like my cast (laughs) 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 so obviously it's based on the series of three books by alvin schwartz he wrote all three of them and other children's books i don't know if they were horror or not but he primarily wrote children's books in the 80s and 90s he passed away in 1992 Oh, damn. And I'll go into a little bit more detail on him here in a minute. I was able to find a good documentary on the books, which I watched a couple times because it was really neat. Okay. But the story by was Guillermo del Toro, which I'm just going to cover his writing credits instead of his directing because he's the writer on this one. Uh, Kronos, his vampire flick, which I haven't watched yet, but it's on my list. Mimic, Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, The Hobbit, Pacific Rim the Troll Hunter cartoon series that has nothing to do with this Troll Hunter <laughs> and The Strain. He wrote the comic book and the show, Shape of Water, etc. You guys know who he is, but he has got a large body of work, and even his stuff kind of jumps. Yeah. But his stuff's actually, now that I'm looking at it, it's pretty different. Some of it, though, but you can watch like Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy and be like, yeah, I was the same motherfucker.
3: Yes, definitely.
0: Right. But then you watch Pacific Rim. Eh, okay. no I can feel his vibe <laughs> pretty good now that I think about it. But he was not the only story. by. that's the interesting thing. You had the base on the book, and then we have multiple story by, and then we have multiple screenplay writers. So, yeah. Also story by is Patrick Melton, who wrote The Feast 1 through 3, Saw 6, Saw 3D, and The Collector movies. Oh, damn. Marcus Dunstan, all of the same things I just said yeah. because they're writing partners. <laughs> and then the screenplay was done by Dan Hagman. He did Hotel Transylvania, the Lego movie, the Croods, the Star Trek Prodigy cartoon that's out right now, and Troll Hunters. Okay. So uh, mainly kids cartoons, but some there's some bangers in there, some pretty funny ones, you know. And his brother, Kevin Hageman... The same because they're writing partners. So so we had a guy write a book in the 80s or multiple books. Then we had, you know, famous guy adapted as a story by with the help of two other guys. And then we had another group of writing partners do the actual screenplay. So I'm kind of curious how it went down that route. And I would love to see like a big behind the scenes thing on why Guillermo del Toro as a producer had to go through like 97 people to write it. But yeah, cause this sounds like a recipe
1: <laughs> for fucking disaster.
0: Right. Right. I mean, to be fair, it would be two story buys in a screenplay writer. If you,
1: that's not so bad when you say it that
0: ignore way. the name, well, you know, if you ignore the name count, because they always come in duos as a writing team, Yeah. right? Like in both cases and no one Guillermo del Toro. I mean, I'm assuming this, but I've seen enough interviews with the guy he probably had a completely finished screenplay when he was going to direct it, but like yeah. he didn't want to make somebody else direct what he wrote when he was the producer because he just he'd rather you get to make your own movie. So like he probably let the director pick s- some writers. Yeah, maybe you know what I mean and, and adapt it. it, it I, I I imagine, but anyways, that's that's a pretty big writing team and it might actually be larger than my cast that I chose to cover. <laughs> <laughs> I will show you now. Yay! <laughs> We have Stella, played by Zoe Margaret Coletti, and primarily she's been on Fear the Walking Dead and Only Murders in the Building. Okay. Uh, She did some other TV, but those are shows that she was on, like, a significant amount of episodes. Ramon is played by Michael Garza. He's done a bit of TV, like, just a few shows, episode here and there, but he was on all of Wayward Pines. Oh, yeah. That guy. (laughs) Yeah. Augie is played by Gabriel Rush. Just did a bit of TV. Nothing stood out. Chuck is played by Austin Zazier. I hope I didn't butcher your last name, buddy. A bit of TV and Clerks Three, which I haven't seen yet.
1: No, you're not missing anything. <laughs> <I've>,
0: <laughs> I figured you'd give me the rundown on that one real quick. <laughs> Ruth, played by Natalie Ganshorn. Once again, just a bit of TV. And the only other person I threw in here was Stella's dad, played by Dean Norris, because he's probably the most famous actor in the movie. Ton of shit. I'm not even going to list it, but if we're going to go genre, Under the Dome. Yeah, definitely. Right? <laughs> and special effects, because this movie is almost 100% practical. Oh, no. A little bit of digital touch-up. Things like an army of spiders running around had to be digital. They we'll even used some real <laughs> spiders in that. But all the monsters were completely practical. And it was because Spectral Motion did the special effects guillermo del toro uses them a lot they did the hellboy movies pacific rim they did the x-men and fantastic four movies the older ones made by sony that Hansel and gretel movie that came out semi-recently that uh you told me about yeah yeah. i think it's got hawkeye in it yeah that birdman movie that won a bunch of awards the tomorrow war which i fucking love that movie where tom cruise like reliving the same day with emily blunt over and over again fighting the aliens and mechs it's Funny as hell if you had not seen it. Okay. Malignant. They did all the practical effects for Malignant. Yeah, hey, I've heard of that movie. <laughs> and uh, much, much more. Like, I would be here all night covering films that they've made that we've all seen, but <laughs> they do badass practical effects. I mean, the pale lady looks like the pale lady from the book. Yeah. Like, exactly like her. And looks real because it's practical. So. It's creepy. I, I like the special effects in this movie. I'm glad that they went that route, but Guillermo's going to Guillermo, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> a little bit of backstory before I dive into the film itself. And this is basically going to be about the books. <laughs> I mean, that's where this all came from. Scary Stories Tell in the Dark was a trilogy of short horror stories for children. It was written by Alvin Schwartz, as I stated earlier, and illustrated by Stephen Gamble. And the stories are great by themselves, but those fucking pictures.
1: Yes, it's the artwork is, that made that shit artwork, nightmare yeah, fuel.
0: <laughs> that, is, that is what... Josh just said it perfectly. That is what haunted us a little bit still to this day. To be honest, it is the most memorable part. Like, everybody remembers the pictures that have seen it.
1: Hang on, hang on. We're old. Hey, kids, this was our creepy pasta.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All the images, though, are, are burned into my brain to this day. And, and everyone that I know that's our age can tell me, like, oh, this thing fucking gaming nightmares for 20 years and just name one picture and i know which one they're talking about right unfortunately in 2011 the books were re-released with new art by brett helquist who's a he was a fine artist but there was a huge controversy because it was not scary or anything like the original artwork (laughs) and there was such an uproar about it that all future reprintings were reversed back to Stephen Gamble's work
1: so now the temporarily released ones in 2011 are probably going up in value because they're the rare ones now
0: (laughs) right (laughs) damn it (laughs) (laughs) these books were often the subject of being banned from school libraries and that's primarily what the documentary is about like it was just hard to keep them in school libraries All the way through the 80s and the 90s, like going into satanic panic. That's probably why the art was redone, to be honest.
1: Uh, I'm not going to talk about kids and books and schools (laughs) in this day and age. Uh,
0: So (laughs) 80s and 90s, you were saying. (laughs) But no matter what, the book was loved and saved by many librarians. Like when you watch the documentary, there were parents that were like fucking shitting on it. And I don't want this smut in the school with my kid. And the librarian's like, have you read it? Like actually read the book and tell me something bad in there. Yeah. Right, like that's that's not appropriate for kids. Yeah, they're learning about death. Do you want them to think they're immortal? You know, things like that. (laughs) The series has sold almost 10 million copies at this point. Nice. And it's very much a part of what got me, Josh, and obviously 10 million other kids in a (laughs) horror. I mean, if you haven't read them, get them. I decided uh, the other day I'm going to order the trilogy and scare the shit out of my kids. Ah, And it's going to be fun. This goosebumps.
1: Uh, fear Street. I mean, arl Stein in general. Like, yeah, that's that's what that's what we had back then, and it was there was nothing wrong with it. So fuck them.
0: <laughs> arl Stein is actually in the documentary. Oh, nice. And he he you know references how he's referred to as the Stephen King for children. Yeah. And he finally got to meet Stephen King. <laughs> oh damn! And in like the, Stephen King was aware that he's called that, and he's like, I take it as the highest compliment. But <laughs> Even he like. Because of Scary Stories Tell in the Dark, he's like, I really can do children's horror and I can just kinda like push it. Yeah. And it's it's different because Earl Stein writes like whole whole books and, and stories and stuff. And not that Alvin Schwartz didn't, but the scary stories, they're more like uh, folklore. Yeah, it's like campfire ghost stories. Yeah. Yeah. A lot shorter. Um I got into reading at a at a really early age and I was in a horror early, so I loved them, but it was great that they were I could read a story in a couple of minutes. Like they were really digestible. Yeah. You know, like I could do it in between, like if I finished a test early at school or on a car ride home real quick, or, you know, it was a poop book. You know what I mean?
2: Nah.
0: The only <laughs> Cause th- we didn't have cell phones back then.
1: <laughs> the only thing I remember vividly reading in grade school for finishing my work early was *Binicula*.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I told Ella about it, my eight year old daughter, and she got the book, uh, I don't remember if it was this school year or last school year, but she got it for from the school library and read Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josh knows this, but for the listeners, I, I work IT for a school, and I actually talked to the lower school, like not the high school librarian, but the younger li- the librarian for the younger kids, and she said that book is like she has a hard time keeping it in. Yeah, that's the like awesome. Copies of Benicula. It's still popular. I was surprised. That so. is great. But I guess it's enough about the uh, the books. So let's dive into the film. We open up with a black screen and hear a monologue from Stella. She says that stories heal, stories hurt, and if we repeat them often enough, they become real. They make us who we are. They have such power. This I learned on the very last autumn of our childhood.
1: And sometimes, just sometimes, the crow can bring them back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I didn't get that vibe hearing it and typing it and reading it just now. I kind of got the... You just completely broke me. I don't even. I was gonna comment. (laughs) Sorry. On oh, uh, like the monologue at the beginning of Silver Bullet, Stephen King Silver Bullet. Okay, it really made me feel that. But you just fucked me up, and it's the crow.
1: I mean, you saying it made me think that's all I could see is the crow.
0: (laughs) Huh. Interesting. I'm excited about that, but that's for another episode. Anyway, before I
1: dive off, that's gonna be a long one, guys.
0: (laughs) I'm just talking about the remake that's coming out soon.
1: Oh, that's gonna be a short one, guys.
0: I don't think so it's uh the author is the producer and they're going with the book and not the movie. So they're not oh. remaking Brandon Lee's movie, they're remaking the graphic novel cuz there was a good bit of stuff changed. Okay, cool. And Bill Skarsgård's playing Eric Draven.
1: I can see it. I was okay when they were when they were
0: talking about Jason Momoa, I was okay with it. <laughs> That's more of the Brandon Lee version though to me. Like, <laughs> yes. did you ever read the graphic novel? Did I ever loan it to you or no. anything? Bill Skarsgård's Eric Draven more than Brandon Lee was. Like, Damn. if you are going to go book accurate. Okay. No, no, no. I mean, Brandon Lee was fucking phenomenal in it, but he was like a badass action star. Eric Draven was just like a skinny, pale rocker dude. Okay. Like, he doesn't know all the kung fu and shit. He just can't die, and he's violent as fuck when he comes back. Like, it's <laughs> a little, like I could see Bill Skarsgård just going in swinging a sword like a fucking baseball bat on somebody and stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. That was such a huge, like, shift there, guys. So I'm going to bring <laughs> us back, okay? Okay. So we had Stella's open a monologue, and then we get a pop-up that says 1968, and we get a you know standard tour of a small town you see in these kinds of films, and we see that we're in Mill Valley, Pennsylvania. All right. Not Mill Valley. I don't know how fast I said it, but <laughs> it, it comes out weird if I say it too fast <laughs> to learn the other day. We learned that it's Halloween, and we get a brief intro to all of our main characters. We can see the school bullies coming out of the diner planning on whooping some kids asses and breaking shit normal we can see ramon driving into town and he appears to be dodging the army recruiters that are everywhere and the white people he'll start dodging the white people in a little bit when they start coming in a little little hard on him here yep uh (laughs) we see stella and that she takes care of her dad we can tell something's up with him, not like mentally, but like he's upset and depressed.
1: Not not an abusive dad, but just a dad that obviously has 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 strayed from some path and she's taking care of him.
0: Yeah, like he passed out on the recliner, possibly drunk every night, and she has to cover him up and make sure he eats dinner. Yes. Right, like that kind of thing. And uh, we see that she's super into horror and writing, and she has friends with two guys named Augie and Chuck and they basically make our Losers Club. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Augie is the more mature one of the group, right? And, like, everything's proper with him. And, and you know, he, he's the smart guy, right? And then Chuck, well, when we meet Chuck, he's fishing a turd out of a toilet with a goldfish net thing. I identify with Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely tells you what you need to know about his character, though. <laughs> we find out that tonight is not about trick-or-treating, but payback with T.P eggs and i assume the turd (laughs) otherwise they got some explaining to do (laughs) we can see that there's a horror double feature playing at the drive-in which i love those and a costume ball in town for the kids and the bullies beat the shit out of harold the scarecrow on their way out of a farm where one of them obviously lives right more on this later all of this is done to the song season of the witch and that's foreshadowing oh yeah just a little bit just a little bit (laughs) We also get like a, a quick introduction to Chuck's sister, Ruth, because she actually catches him fishing the turd out of the toilet, <laughs> which he carries around in a brown paper bag from here on out and it's <laughs> used again, which is just bothering me on a whole nother level. And oh, yeah, he's Spider-Man. <laughs> Kinda. His mom made his costume and she made him like a like the, the human fly but a spider. <laughs> Not Spider-Man, and he's not happy about it.
1: It's so bad I'd beat his ass, and I, I've never been a bully to anyone.
0: <laughs> and Augie, he's a clown, or Perot, or a Perot, you know, and Stella's a witch. <laughs> da da, da. <laughs> She doesn't look like her, but it makes me think of the girl in the witch costume that carves all the pumpkins in Trick or Treat. Ronda the Retard? like the costumes... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what they call her I know I know but I meant like the costume like I think the costume is very similar oh yeah yeah it's it's a very
1: very well done but very very traditional yeah yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> oh my god Josh Oh. <laughs> uh. anyways we find out under the ruse of trick or treating they're actually waiting on the school bully Tommy to come by and have his partner snatch their candy bag because he does this every year and right on cue, Tommy comes driving by in his car, and his buddy hangs out and snatches the candy bag. It's contaminated. <laughs> yeah, which is just a sack of stinky old clothes, or probably what Chuck wore recently, judging by how he acts.
3: <laughs> you brought your dirty undies, man. That's right, dude. The weight. The ringer cannot look empty.
0: This starts to stink the whole car up, which includes Tommy, two of his Letterman thugs, and a keen eye, would notice chuck's sister ruth riding shotgun she likes bad boys yep yep our losers club then eggs the car and then he stops and backs up coming at him and they light the brown bag of shit and toss it right into tommy's lap now for the this causes them to crash the car into i think it was a wooden fence or something yeah. not like a bad crash but enough to fuck up tommy's car a little bit and piss him off and ruth and Chuck recognize each other and kind of don't say shit right there, but we know that at some point there's going to be no hide <laughs> for Chuck, right? And our Motley crew takes off with the bullies making chase. They end up at the drive-in and randomly jump into Ramon's car, I guess because they saw another young person, right? And Stella hops in first in the in the shotgun seat, which makes it not seem so awkward to the guy because he's like, hey, cute girl just jumped in my car. that's kind of cool, right? <laughs> and then the moron brothers jump in the backseat. Oh, cock block. And he wants to know what's going on. And we find out throughout the scene that Ramon possibly lives in his car. <laughs> and that Augie and Chuck fight like brothers. They're, of course, watching Night of the Living Dead at the movie theater because, you know, it's free to use. <laughs> so why not always use Night of the Living Dead? And the year works out. Uh, it does. Stella and Ramon are going back and forth, but the idiots in the backseat keep trying to jump into the conversation until the bullies show up to get them out of the car. Oh, and Tommy's a racist.
1: Yeah, that's some of that dodging white people stuff I was talking about.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he immediately calls him a beaner. Yeah. Or something like that. Or a right?
1: wetback, something. He's he's an asshole. He calls right them out the both gate.
0: throughout the movie. I didn't notate what. I would just write that he's racist. But yeah, I mean, it's just. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, I'm, right here, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: I'm descriptive.
0: <laughs> my bad. Reading my next line in my notes here after calling Ramon a wetback. <laughs> He tells Tommy that he smells like shit and to get off of his car, right? Like, Ramon's just not going to take a shit from him. No. All the people in the drive-in start to riot and go off on Tommy because he's ruining their movie. And he basically has to peace out or he's going to get his, you know, ass beat by the town folk. Which was the opposite of what he was trying to do. But Stella gets really upset because Tommy made fun of her for her mom running away and she cries a bit outside of the car where they can't see her face while Augie and Chuck fill Ramon in on Stella, which makes him like her even more. And Chuck wants to see a switchblade because, you know, all Latinos have a switchblade. (laughs) And Ramon's like, why the fuck would I have a switchblade?
1: They do a real good job of quickly setting up that Ramon's put up with shit to the point that he's kind of numb to it, but it pisses him off. And, uh, that, uh, Tommy the racist is a piece of shit and we don't care what happens to him.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I said, Stella's crying, like outside of the car up front. She pulls it together, immediately stops crying, wipes the tears off, and pops in the car and asks Ramon if he wants to see a haunted house. Well, yeah. <laughs> Our trio, you know, now quartet, <laughs> head up to this creepy boarded up house that's fenced in, and we find out that they heard a kid went missing recently, so they boarded everything up, right? And it's not the only kid to go missing, but I guess it happened semi-recently, so they locked shit down tight. Okay. We find out that it's the Bellows Mansion and that this family founded the town and built the big paper mill, which is most people's jobs, including Stella's father, I believe. Ah. A child was murdered in the house once upon a time. They just kind of leave it at that. We get more detail as it, as it goes on. The front door is locked, but Ramon can pick the lock with a pen. So Chuck shows off his nudie pen. Lola where you know you like click it and like her her top disappears. Oh I had one. (laughs) Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you had one. (laughs) (laughs) But Ramon just snatches the pin out of his hand snaps it in half and picks the lock right and uh, Chuck's upset. (laughs) He's got nothing to bait to now. (laughs) Right right and and We've seen Augie try to hit on Stella a couple times, and Chuck leans in and lets Augie know that he stands no fucking chance. <laughs> We're still, and now after Badass Bone shut up, no. Nope. We find out that the Bellows had a daughter named Sarah that they never let leave the house, and they even disowned her at some point. No one's ever seen a picture of her, and she was erased from family portraits. Well, that's, that's brutal, <laughs> right? Kids would come to the house to see Sarah, and they never could find her, but they could hear her through the walls, and she would read them scary stories. A lot of kids ended up going missing or being found dead after this. Okay. The story goes that a mob was formed and they went for Sarah, but found her where she had hung herself in her house, in that very mansion. And the, the main part of the town legend is that you can come to the mansion on Halloween and have her tell you a scary story. But it'll be the last scary story you ever hear. <laughs> Stella and Ramon discover a hidden basement behind, uh, I think it's like a kitchen cabinet, right? Like he slides it out and there's a little door there that's yes. locked. Even after hearing the story, they still decide it's a good idea to go in the creepy ass dark basement in the no light. Yeah. And they come to another lock down in the basement that Ramon quickly picks with his switchblade. <laughs> <laughs> Stereotypes. <laughs> I guess he didn't want to give Chuck the satisfaction earlier, so he just acted like he didn't have one on the front door. But Chuck's not around now, so now he's just going to use the tool that that apparently is better for the job. Totally. I don't know if I would want to do it. Slice your hand right the fuck open. But anyway. Agreed. Stella and Ramon discover Sarah's room, which was behind that locked door, while Chuck hides from Augie because they've been like slapping the shit out of each other and running to the house and trying to find each other. Yeah. And Chuck runs into this closet in this room and and the whole mansion's dilapidated inside, if I didn't mention. And <laughs> it appears that way. And then he cracks the closet door open to look. And the room is not destroyed anymore. It's completely furnished. And there's a creepy blind woman sitting on the bed, but she's staring at him. Like, she has the milked over eyes, but she's looking right at him. And I think she has a dog next to her. Yeah. Right? And he closes the door, and he hears footsteps. And you're just waiting on the old lady to open the door. But it's Augie, and the room's fucked up again, right? Which we'll call normal, because that's the normal state at this Yay. point. Lady and the dogs are gone. He's trying to tell Augie about it. Augie doesn't necessarily believe him, but he wants to get the fuck out of there. So they start yelling for Stella, who calls them down to the basement, which instead of just leaving, they also go into the dark, creepy basement of the haunted mansion where... They've seen a ghost now, or at least one of mass.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is this is all bad ideas, but I do want to say the woman on the bed when he's hiding is like it's actually creepy. Like it's it's good tension. Yeah, very good tension.
0: The camera angle and the way she's sitting off to the side, yep. and like turns her head. Actually, kind of made me think of James Wan conjuring insidious type stuff. Yes. Yeah, in a good way, so, which is a compliment, by the way, Andre. <laughs> I hope I'm not talking too fast or too slow, guys. I'm actually exhausted. We've had a hard time recording these, so yeah. but. Chuck and Augie end up running down the basement and Stella starts explaining that this is Sarah's room and this is Sarah's bed. And Stella gets kind of upset about what happened to Sarah. And she looks to the room and finds a music box that plays the funeral song, which I'll go into more detail later, but it's actually an old World War I song, but it's in the first book. Oh, yeah. She then finds some books on a shelf, including Sarah's own scary stories book. Yeah. It has her name in it when, when she opens it, just to confirm that it was Sarah's. And it appears to be written in blood.
1: Like the Necronomicon.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and basically, at this point, Chuck draws the line at the Latin <laughs> and says they don't need to fuck with the book. And then they hear a loud bang. And the bang is from Tommy slamming the cabinet. The cabinet wasn't, like, actually part of the door, but he slams the door shut and latches it back and locks it, right? Yep. And Ruth's with him, and she says to let him out, or she's going to go tell the chief. Uh-oh. Tommy asks why she's going to tell the chief, and she says it's because Chuck is her brother. Tommy then opens the door like he's going to let him out and throws Ruth into the fucking basement into a bunch of spider webs where she's bit on the cheek. Yeah. Any readers of the book know where that's going later. Yeah. The place of all of my nightmares. (laughs) Because Jesse is deathly afraid of spiders, and I'm pretty sure that book's why.
1: And anybody who was okay with Tommy now knows that he's also a woman beater, so fuck this guy. (gasps)
0: Yeah, he's a racist and a wife beater. Yup. And just a general asshole and douchebag.
3: <laughs> and a fucktard.
0: <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> but the book appears to turn the page. We sound like fucktards right now, frankly. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You know, sometimes we're, we're gone for a while and we come in with a banger and sometimes we come in and it's just like, what are they talking about right now? This is one of those times. But the book appears to turn the pages on its own. So Stella thinks that it's a good time to request a story from Sarah. Why the fuck not? They've done every other bad idea. Let's just keep it rolling. The rest of the crew tries to break out to no avail until the latch randomly pops open on its own and they're free. Ramon's the only one that's like, wait a minute. How the fuck did the latch open? (laughs) Nobody's up here. How did that happen? Right. And Ruth tells Augie that he has a nice pro costume, which everybody was like clown costume. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's been hitting on her a good bit in the movie, too, not just Stella. So now he's kind of excited because maybe he's got a chance to her. <laughs> she talked to me. <laughs> right. However, no matter how excited Augie is right now, Ramon is very unexcited because his car has been completely beaten in with the windows shattered and the words wet back painted on his car. Yep. Stella offers her basement couch for him to come and sleep on, and she takes him to her house. She covers her dad up again. He's passed out in the recliner where we saw last time and shows Ramon her room. He finds her notebook on the table and he starts to read it, which has her own scary stories in it that she's been writing herself. And he mentions that, huh, Sam's pet turned out to be a sewer rat. Pretty dark ending or pretty dark stuff or something, which we all know is actually a story from one of the books. Yup. We get to see that they're both really, really into horror. And basically it's like a creep show comic that they like and they have a lot in common. Ramon tells Stella that if she wants to be a writer, she's going to have to leave the small town and move into the big city, and she lets him know that she can't leave her dad and tells Ramon it's time for him to go down to the basement.
1: Because she's getting hot for him, and she's like, nope, can't do this. you got to get you out of here. No, I think she's getting depressed
0: <laughs> by the questioning here. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, what does she do to make
1: <laughs> herself feel better? Ride the disco stick. So we can't have that happen yet. Got to separate them.
0: I don't think you have the same version of the movie I of <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, let me let me try this up. <clears throat> you can tell there's chemistry between the two characters, but they're not going to take it anywhere yet.
0: There we go. That's <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Ramon realizes that he blew it, and we realize at this point that Stella stole Sarah's book from the house. Oh, no. So she's made a lot of bad decisions <laughs> so far for seeming like the smart kid, right? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is kind
1: of her fault. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, all, all of it's 100% her fault. She starts flipping through the stories, and we can tell by the names that they're all stories from the books, if you pay attention. And she gets about halfway through the pages, and the rest of the book is blank, basically. She then goes back a page to where it was blank a minute ago, and there's now a story called Harold. And the ink, or blood, is fresh and smears when she runs her thumb across it. Like how they showed her go through blank pages and then go back a couple pages, and now there's something there where there shouldn't have been? Yeah. It's a cool way to shoot it. We cut to Tommy at his house, which is obviously on a farm, and he pulls up, and his mom's on the porch yelling at him for coming home drunk again, and we find out that, you know, his house is the family farm, and he was supposed to deliver eggs to the neighbors, and he still has to go do it. So he heads to the barn, and he walks right past the family scarecrow that we know as Harold, right? (laughs) Because it looks like fucking Harold from the book, and and he addressed him, and so earlier, we just didn't know he was in his own yard when that happened. As all of this is happening, Stella's reading the story and realizing that the character's name is Tommy. (laughs) Weird coincidence to her. Yeah. He walks to the creepy ass cornfield where he walks behind the rows and (laughs) he has the eggs and he walks by Harold and he tells Harold to eat shit. He then gets creeped out alone and stumbles across Harold again in the cornfield. He then gets further away and he stumbles across Harold's post in the ground, but this time Harold's nowhere to be seen. And I guess he thinks it's just like another random post since he was walking away from the Harold Scarecrow, right? Yeah. And I guess it doesn't click to him as he's drunk that he bumped into it again where he shouldn't have, right? <laughs> and then he stumbles into Harold, who scares the shit out of him in his path, just standing there, and he's standing creepy as fuck. And then just randomly, like, jerk twitch comes to life and starts to chase Tommy down. yeah. So Tommy starts to run like fuck, and he gets a bit ahead and finds a pitchfork, and he turns around and makes a stand in Harold, which is pretty brave for a teenager to go to a horror movie like this. True. going on? He, quick reaction on him. However, pitchfork had no effects on Harold whatsoever. He's made a straw. <laughs> <laughs> and he then turns around to run from Harold because he's not going to stand his ground anymore. However, he didn't yank the pitchfork out so harold quickly yanks the pitchfork out and impales tommy in the back through his chest and tommy removes the uh, pitchfork and starts running for his house yelling for his mommy at this point and we start to see straw popping out of his mouth his ears growing out of his skin like he's the wolf man but with straw it's awesome yeah it's pretty fucking badass like and he collapses turning into a scarecrow Come and the next day the chief of police shows up at the mechanics shop and ramon's there to get his car fixed of course and ask ramon what was he doing here if he was just passing through town earlier because the sheriff did see him and immediately walked up to him earlier in the movie like in the opening scene and asked him what he's doing there
2: yeah
1: what draft are you dodging
0: <laughs> yeah he didn't get there yet he just didn't like the fact that there was a brown skin kid in his town true but he doesn't get a response from ramon and he sees the car and what's spray painted on it and asks if Tommy did it. Just straight up ask Ramon that. He then lets Ramon know that Tommy went missing last night. And that Ramon might want to stay in town for a few days. Because he's going to have questions for him. He gets his last name and leaves him there. We find our trio hiding in the uh, school theater eating their lunch. Because they're probably not the popular kids. And they also you know, have some creepy shit to talk about. And Stella's showing them the book. Explaining that she stole it. And that this story just appeared in the book. While she was watching it write itself basically. And... We find out because we swap from her reading the story to seeing it happen. That as she explains the story, or reads the story out of the book, it's exactly what we saw happen. So we know that it was the same thing, right? Yes. Chuck then tells Stella about the room turning into the, like the old lady's bedroom with the dog, and Augie's like, "All this shit's in you guys' heads. You're fucking crazy." <laughs> I don't know. He he didn't have a reason for it. He didn't even go with like the lead paint theory. He just no. It's just bullshit. It's all bullshit. I'm scared. It's bullshit. But anyways, after they're done going over the story, Stella wants to get a look at everything. And, of course, Ramon's going to go with her wherever she goes at this point. And we see him sneaking through the cornfield because she wants to see Harold. She wa- she knows there's a scarecrow in there, and she wants to see it and see if it matches the story. Yep. And they see a slew of police everywhere on the property. And Ramon says he can't get mixed up with the police, and they decide to sneak further through the cornfield, finding Harold, but he's wearing Tommy's clothes. Oh, Stella thinks it's Tommy and says such, but Ramon makes this bitch you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking white girls. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's on board with uh, with the Stella and Chuck's theories at this point. Stella then sneaks back to the Bellows Mansion that night after school and puts Sarah's book back on the shelf, thinking that'll that'll take care of all of this. Yeah. It's, we're done now. <laughs> she then comes home to her dad, who is groggily getting to his truck to go work an extra work shift, and she wants to know if he worked as much before her mom left and. He just ignores her and says, you know, the Milner boy went missing. You need to always come straight home from school from now on. We quickly cut to Chuck and Ruth's house to see that she has a not pimple on her face. (laughs) As she refers to it. We know it's a spider bite, but, you know, Chuck's making fun of her for having a pimple. She's like, it's not a pimple. Ramon shows up at Stella's at this point, and then they go to her room, and he's reading Sarah's book in there. Which should not be there because Stella took it back already. It's like burning a Ouija board. (laughs) Right. He opens it up to a blank page, and it starts to write the story called The Big Toe, and it's in blood again, and they're watching it go as they look at it. They start to tear out the pages, and this part looks really cool, because like the story's writing, and they rip the page out, so the story can't happen, but the next page has caught up already yeah. and, and continues to go, and they rip several pages out, and then just keeps going on the next page. It's pretty awesome. And they can see at some point that the story is about Augie because it says August or a boy named August or something in there. And I like that we thought we were about to dive into the spider bite story, but we didn't.
1: Yeah. I thought it was a bait and switch and like, is that all I'm going to get?
0: Anyways, we cut to Augie's house and he's on the phone mad at his mom for going out of town again and not leaving him any food. And then he finds a pot of stew in the fridge that his mom doesn't know what he's talking about. She's like, I didn't make any stew. <laughs> and... He doesn't think this is a bad idea, so he decides to eat it anyway. Oh. His mom should make it. Yes, <laughs> part's pretty grody. <laughs> and uh, we see Ramon and Stella grab the walkie-talkie because earlier in the movie they did, like Stranger Things walkie-talkie talk to each other, right? Yes. Like the, the crew did. But Stella radios Augie and says, "Do not eat anything in the house," and then he should hear someone saying, "Who ate my toe?" <laughs> and he pauses and he listens and hears shit. <laughs> And he's looking around, and what he doesn't see that we do see is that there are fingers, toes, and eyeballs in the stew. Like, they're starting to form and float to the top, right? Yeah, protein. Augie then takes a big spoonful without looking at it, which I look at my food when I scoop it up before I put it in my mouth. Always. Damn, Is that yeah. weird that I no. do that? Okay, that's Okay. Fucking, that's how you stay alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Augie takes a big old spoonful of some hunk of meat that we can see on there and puts it in his mouth, and he gags. And spits out, guess what, guys? A toe. <laughs> uh, he then continues to spit everything up and dumps the pot on the ground and all sorts of body parts start to to spill out with the stew. And then he hears footsteps in the house and he wants Ramon and Stella to read the story to him over the walkie so he can see what the fuck's happening. <laughs> the voice comes in right on cue wanting to know who took its toe, right? Like we just hear the ghostly voice asking for the toe. Augie runs to his house from the voice, hiding in various places. But it's not any use. He makes it under his really high off the ground bed. (laughs) Hides under there, and the door creaks open, but he's too scared to look. And then he opens his eyes, and he sees that the door is open, but nobody's in the room. So he crawls out, and we wait for something to grab him, but nothing. We then expect something to be on the bed. Even he does, and he turns around, but nothing right? And you think, okay, they're not doing anything here. And then he's yanked under the bed into eternal darkness by some sort of ghoul, right? Like, we yes. see the ghoul grab his feet and yank him, but his bed was up against the wall. So it's, like, a really cool shot, and it was an awesome job of subverting expectations there, because, like, everybody was waiting on the jump scare from the top of the bed. Yep. Which is so overplayed, you know? It's like, okay, they're not there, and then the person, you know, rolls over the sigh of relief, they get attacked. Didn't happen. Came from the place <laughs> where there should have been nothing. Awesome job there. But, uh... Stella and Ramon hoof it to Augie's house, get inside. They can't find him anywhere. And then we cut around the town and see that the police now have a search party out for Tommy. And we cut back to Stella and Ramon at the drive-in again, right? I guess they like to just hide in these kind of places. And Stella's (laughs) crying and says that this is all their fault, which it is. Straight up. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it should have said it's daytime and they're hiding out at the drive-in because nobody's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just a big open lot. And, um, while she's crying, and, and Ramon's trying to console her, but you, you notice he never says, it's not your fault. No, nope, no, nope. Because he knows, <laughs> right? <laughs> Ruth pulls up in her car with Chuck, and they want to know what's going on and why they're called out there, and the not zit is getting much bigger on her face <laughs> at this point. <laughs> They show Chuck and Ruth the book and let them know that Augie's gone and they can't find him anywhere. And Stella says that you do not need to read the book. The book reads you. And that they were all in the house that night and they're all doomed. Ruth calls bullshit and Chuck wants to go to the police and they let him know it's not a fucking option. Like, Ramon's <laughs> like, fuck out!" No, first of all. And everybody else is like, yeah, nobody's going to believe us. Exactly. <laughs> Ruth says there's just another one of their sick fucking jokes and she's not going to put up with their bullshit and she has to get ready for her play rehearsal tonight. She heads off and the remaining crew decides to... Burn the book because it worked in Salem with the witches. That's what they say. (laughs) But it does not work here at all. It's like the Ouija board, right? You burn it and it's still there. Exactly. They head to the library to break out some microfiche. Yeah. I love to say that word. I love to say that word. And they're going through the town history and old town newspapers, and Chuck spills some ketchup on his shirt. Dun dun dun. We find out that the Bellows had a black house heaver and her daughter lived at the bells mansion with her when she worked and they were accused of practicing magic right and they were blamed for sarah basically Yeah, everything was sarah ramon then discovers that her whole family vanished off the face of the earth one at a time over the course of a year that's called cholera (sighs) (sighs) shit (laughs) they vanished though their bodies weren't found dead they just gone that's really bad cholera (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shit it's the deleting guy <laughs> ramon starts to mention the names of the missing family members and stella finds them in the book as she flips the stories they each had a story it appears the wendigo was used for one of them i don't remember if that name was actually in the wendigo or not i have to go back and look when i buy the books to freak out my children <laughs> but suddenly the book starts to write a new story called the red spot yeah ramon and stella start to look panicked at chuck and point out the red spot on his shirt where he's supposed to catch up. He thinks he's going to die, and then they start to read the story while he's panicking in the background. <laughs> the shit's great. And they're like, a young girl, and he's like, wait, what? A young girl? And and he seems relieved until they say spider bites, right? Yeah. And they now know it's Ruth, and they haul ass to the school.
1: He does, though, man. He's like the stoner character freak out
0: yeah. type thing right then. We then cut to Ruth backstage getting ready, and her not zit is huge now. And she tries to pop it as the other girls laugh at her and another one tells her she needs to take care of that shit, right? But Ruth runs to the bathroom and she touches the zit crying or not zit and it's fucking massive now. (laughs) She starts to squeeze it. It's gross as fuck. Bare through the pain. And we can see this black mass of shadow move across the wall into the bathroom, which we associate with being Sarah coming in. Yes. Yes. And we cut to our trio, running up the stairs in the school, hoofing it through the hallways, checking the bathrooms, not finding her, and then saying, shit, she's got to be on the second floor. Back in Ruth's bathroom, we can see that the nods, nah, it's gotten even bigger. I didn't know it could get bigger, but it <laughs> is now. And it's pulsating, and something starts to stick out of it that looks like a hair, right? Like a wart with a hair hanging out <laughs> or whatever, mole or whatever with a hair. And she tries to pull it out, and then it moves, which scares the fuck out of her. Her nutsit then bust open, and just hundreds of spiders start to run out and crawl everywhere. And our crew bust in and tried to get the spiders off of her because she's just panicked, screaming on the floor, swatting. And they, there's so many of them. They just can't get them off. And Chuck has a brilliant idea. He goes and gets like a mop bucket full of water, dumps the water on her, washing all the spiders away. Yep. Stella notices the shadow leaving the room right as the lights cut on, right? Because it got completely dark in there. And Ruth is panicking and just completely covered in spider bites all over her body. We then see her get taken away by the paramedics. She's still alive, and Stella lets the crew know that she saw a shadow and she thinks that it might be Sarah. Chuck just says, "We're all gonna die." (laughs) He just he gave up at this point.
1: Now, who the hell plays Ruth? Because I got to give her so much credit in this scene. Because I by every ounce of her terror in this scene once once we get to her in on the floor screaming and everything like like it's it's gut-wrenching like it's so good yeah it it is no she's really
0: good good. i mean they're all good but i really liked her performance screaming and panicking there her name is natalie ganshorn and i was really shocked because she's just done like one-off episodes of tv shows okay just a few of them yeah
1: she's fucking phenomenal
0: I'm kind of hoping, you know, she starts popping up in some more shit, right? Yeah, cast her in anything where you need to scare the fuck out of her. She's great at it. So we see the crew at this thing called a phone booth where people used to go in and look up numbers in a thing called a phone book. And then they would make a call on a phone that had a cable coming out that we called a landline using pocket change that only gave you so much time oh, for the phone call. Oh, good, like Bitcoin. No, <laughs> no, like real coin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anyways, they do not make a call from the phone booth. They merely looked up the address of Lulu Baptiste. Kind of like, you know, Arnie looking for Sal Khanna, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like we saw earlier, Lulu's mom worked for the Bellows family. Yes. Right. And she's the one that got blamed. And Lulu was a little girl there. But they were accused of using the cult because they were black in the like 40s or 30s or whenever it was supposed to be so sure why not rich assholes blaming the hope uh yeah we've seen how this town is thus far our trio shows up at uh baptiste residence and rings the doorbell and while waiting chuck says that he keeps having nightmares about a fat pale lady coming for him in a red room and he thinks that that's what the witch is going to use against him boys we might have us a psychic here But after this bit of monologue, the door is answered by what we're going to assume is Lulu's daughter. Yeah, she calls her mom later. And she lets them in and she turns off the TV where they're talking about how the presidential election's happening that night and Nixon's running. And she says that Tricky Dicky's no name for a president. <laughs> Maybe she's psychic too. <laughs> she then takes them to her catatonic mom. And I mean, like, she's got the milked over eyes and she's just staring into space and doesn't even acknowledge their presence the daughter goes to i don't think she starts ironing or something and it's not real clear to me if she's like one room over or in the room in a different corner but she's nearby because it'll cut to her like spy a little bit like listen to see what they're saying to her mom yeah and stella finds a music box and turns it over to the bottom and has the initials lb which i assumes lulu baptiste but it could be something bellows too i don't know but i I don't think anybody's name was the l in the bellows family so it's probably lulu's And she winds the music box up and lets the song play. And of course, it's the hearse song. And this gets Lulu's attention and she can hear it. And she starts to sing the words of the song with the music. And Stella takes this time to say that we have Sarah's book. And Lulu wants to see the book. She wants to hold the book. So she takes it and she grabs it and clutches it tight and says that she felt so sorry for that girl and everything that was happening to her. And Stella wants to know if Lulu taught sarah black magic and she like kind of pauses and like taught her right Like, like, (laughs) but she was the one with black magic and she says there was no magic there and she lets stella know that stories hurt they can heal and they should not have taken the book from the bella's place and that they've now made sarah very angry She then starts to mumble the words of the song rocking in place. And and like I said, the daughter was kind of like listening in. And like when they started asking about black magic, she's like, what the fuck? And uh, the daughter comes in and says she gets like this sometimes. And I'm assuming that's what she mainly does. Like when she's catatonic is mumble the song and rock back and forth. And she gives the kids the boot. Yeah. Before getting the Scooby gang out the front door, Lulu's daughter mentions that Sarah hung herself in the hospital and this goes against every story and legend that the kids have ever heard about that house and about Sarah and they immediately book into the hospital to find out more yeah the trio takes a bus to the hospital where we hear some more anti nom War comments, which is <laughs> going on throughout the whole movie. It is. And we can see Chuck's asleep laying down on a bench in the bus and obviously having a nightmare, right? Like you see him like wincing and, and twisting or whatever, and his face is not happy. This is not a good dream. This no. is not about his pen and lady at all. It could be. But they show up at the hospital, and they ask... For records for a patient. And the nurse tells them that patient's records are confidential and she's not giving them shit. And Stella says the patient's long dead, and so's her family, so no one's gonna mind, right? Like just give it to us anyway. Yeah, it's all good. And you can tell the nurse is about to tell her to go fuck herself. But a doctor behind her uh asks why they care about old patient records, and Stella says that it's for a school project. And she like scans the room and sees like a file on the wall and says, A human psychological studies project. Yes, the studies. And then somewhere in there, the doctor, like, I don't know why he's fucking blabbing everything out, I guess, because he doesn't give a fuck. But he says that all old records are kept in the red room, which causes Chuck to make brown pants. (laughs) The trio is then handed a stack of paperwork that they have to fill out to request the old records. And it's a six month process.
1: That's going to take some dedication.
0: Right, right. Or tomfoolery, because they say, fuck it. And when a bunch of doctors come out of the locked door of the hallway, they just book it behind them. Yeah. Running through the hospital because there's nobody else to see them apparently now. Breaking the law. Breaking the (laughs) law. This is like the Halloween 2 hospital, right? There's there's no more people. Yes. It makes sense with Chuck later, but not with everybody else. Anyways, they're trying to find their way to the Red Room, which Chuck is, of course, completely against. (laughs) And we find out that it is the Red Room. Capital R, capital E, capital D. Records and Evaluations Department. right? And Ramon's like, chill out, Chuck. It's not actually red because in his nightmare he's in a room that's the color red. Yes. And Chuck bows out anyways and they tell him, you know, just wait here in the hallway then which he doesn't listen and he's like, Chuck from the Chuck TV show and he takes off running on his own. (laughs) So Stella and Ramon head for the red room while Chuck takes an elevator and he goes up. It's like a roof walkway thing and he thinks he's good so he has to walk past like a small army of orderlies (laughs) and they know he's not supposed to be up there as he's a fucking kid and he's not playing it cool. He just looks suspicious as fuck. Yes. We cut from Chuck running away <laughs> trying to hide uh it's a stella arriving in the records room and finding sarah bella's records a little too quick for my taste like they immediately like oh there it is yeah. like on the wall kind of bothered yeah, me right here ready for us and they see that she was admitted by her own family for having acromasia albinism or what we call in the layman's terms she was albino oh. right her family locked her up just because she looked different and get this her doctor was her own brother. Who gave her shock therapy and what I think was a lobotomy? I didn't quite understand the uh, term there, but it sounded like a lobotomy, yeah. but with more words than the Latin. <laughs> Great family. <laughs> they find a wax recording, which was a real thing. They predated records or LPs, right? Yeah. You could play the wax file because it had grooves cut in it, much like a record and could play audio. The
1: Edison cylinders.
0: Okay. I didn't know they were called that, but I'm assuming Thomas Edison. Yeah. So he didn't just steal the idea of the light bulb from Nikola Tesla. No, right?
1: no, Actually, he stole it from someone else. Well, that that's a long story. Um, but yeah, if I remember right, it's the, the Edison uh, uh, wax cylinders.
0: The more you know. <laughs> Josh always breaking out the random facts. Yeah,
1: and I'm probably wrong, but we'll find out or somebody tell us. I don't
0: care. Somebody tell us because I'm going to forget to look it up. I just remember.
1: Okay, so there's there's an episode of Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: Holy shit, we're going to Antiques Worships.
1: Where somebody had these, and uh, the guy who's appraising them is like, he's old and he's shaking like Michael J. Fox. I'm sorry, like it's Jesus. <laughs> this is how I tell stories. I'm trying to be descriptive,
0: <laughs> I don't mean any harm. This is why we can't get sponsors. <laughs>
1: but he's he's shaking so bad while he's holding the cylinder and you're like looking at it like dude tell him to set it politely just say hey this is cool just set it down and tell me the story and he's like literally sitting there shaking he's like this this is this is nearly priceless and it shatters in his hands
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god are you serious
2: yes
1: now I gotta find that shit that's the only reason that I like I think I'm right about this is from remembering that
0: (laughs) god where were we man before the antique road show came in here sir (laughs) That's right. So they hook it up because Ramon knows what it is and how it works. And they realize that they're going to get to hear Sarah in her own voice, right? On the recording, we can hear Sarah crying and saying that she didn't hurt any of these children and her brother just keeps shocking her every time he tries to make her admit it and she won't do it. And she's like, why are you doing this to me? You're my brother. And she says, I tried to help the children by warning them and none of them would listen to me and none of you would listen to me. And she says that it was the water that poisoned the kids and not her due to the mercury and the water from the paper mill oh shit so we find out that the family having doctors in it is probably very aware that they're dumping mercury into the town's drinking supply and poisoning and killing the kids and they needed a scapegoat why not get rid of their albino black sheep hey i see what you did there Didn't mean to, but it kind of worked out, didn't it? Sarah says to her brother on the recording that she's going to tell him what he wants to hear. So you're expecting like a false confession here. But she then starts to break into the story of Chuck in the Red Room. And we find out that the pale lady's coming for him. And they grab the book. To take a look at it and it opens itself and starts to write its story on its own. We cut to Chuck since obviously the story is being written about him, but he is in a white hallway. So he's all good, right? Yeah. Oh shit. The alarm starts blaring and the lights flash red and then just stay on red and it makes all of the walls and floor and everything red. A little bend into the rules there, but looks cool as fuck. Yeah. And then we see the fat pale lady at the end of the hallway and she looks just like the book yeah but real it's just amazing that they pulled that off yeah and that's the one that i would have thought would have looked like shit and it just didn't
1: yeah they went for it with the smile and everything and it's fucking terrifying i know
0: i know and it starts to slowly walk towards them like very slowly and we cut to see that ramon and stella are running around now trying to find chuck right and you know he ran off to a completely different part of the hospital and didn't stay or he might have been fine who knows but no matter which hallway Chuck runs down, the lady is always in the hallway as he turns. It's always a like a four-way stop kind of thing. Like he's in the center and she's at the hallway wherever he's facing. And it's a really cool shot because you'll see him running kind of corner and she's there and she's closer. And then sometimes he's just turning around, spinning, freaking out. And every time he turns and there's a hallway behind him, she's in all four hallways. Yep. In the this crossroads and she's closer each time. And she makes it up to him and he just kind of admits defeat. And she reaches out and hugs him and absorbs him into her body. Yeah. Ramon and Stella cut the corner just after this, and it's too late. He's gone, right? Only his nudie pin is on the ground. Which Ramon broke? Huh? Maybe he had two of them. Uh, he's that kind of kid. <laughs> I think you just grabbed him at any five and dime at that time anyways. Right? Probably. But at this point in time, Stella and Ramon are obviously distraught, sitting on the ground looking at the pen, and the angry nurse walks up with a gaggle fleck of orderlies, <laughs> and they catch them and want to know where their little friend is, which makes them more upset.
1: Yeah. He just got absorbed by something that doesn't exist. Look, it's in this
0: blood book. <laughs> At this point, we cut into the third act and see that Stella is calling her father from jail and crying and telling him that she loves him and that there's nothing he can do to save her. And that if she randomly goes missing, the one thing she wants him to know is that she did not leave him like her mom did and that she would never leave him and that she loves him. And they have a moment here where he tells her it's not her fault. And she's crying and says, everyone blames me. They say she left because of me, blah, blah, blah. Judging with how this whole book thing's gone down, like maybe it was her fault. I don't know. I know, right? But the sheriff walks up and she just hangs up on her dad at that point. And he asks, is your dad going to come get you, Stella? And she's like, nope, he doesn't want to. Which isn't what he said. She's just telling the sheriff that, right? Yeah. And he wants to know what's going on with all this bullshit. So you can tell they've spilled the beans on the book, right? And he just. Obviously, thinks it's shit. Of course, he tells Ramon because it's a small, it's a small town, so it's like two cells in the same hallway with the phone, like right next to the sheriff's office. Right. Kind of thing. Yep. And the sheriff tells Ramon that he does not want to hear anything from him because he's a fucking draft dodger <laughs> if we could have told already. But like he calls him that finally. And we confirm at this point that the sheriff knows the whole story from them. And he obviously doesn't believe them. And he lets them know because they even say something about Ruth being the only one that survived. And he lets them know that Ruth is in the loony bin now and she's going to be there for the rest of her life. Just fucking crazy and yelling. And he tells Stella that she's free to go. Like he's just going to let her go and he's going to interrogate this draft dodger himself. And she declines and steps into the cell next to him. Right. He then locks her up and sends the rest of the station home so they can go watch the Nixon election. (laughs) At this point, Ramon decides he should apologize to Stella for not telling her that he was a draft dodger, yeah. right? Like that—that uh, that he was running away, and he lets her know that two weeks before he received his draft papers, his brother was sent back from Nam in pieces in a box, and that made him scared, so he ran. Yeah, I wouldn't go either. Nope. We see the sheriff feeding this dog, and he looks at the book, which is open to the Mitai Doty Walker story, right? So I always said as a kid, I hope I—I'm I'm pretty sure I say it right because they say it in the movie. Yeah. But anyways. He scoffs at the story and then realizes that the pages smear in fresh red ink. Yeah, totally ink. Could be. Could be. It's blood, though. (laughs) (laughs) The lights start to flicker, and then they go completely out. The sheriff starts to yell to our duo, who wrote this sick shit? Stella, was it you? Because I guess everybody knows she's in a (laughs) whore. And he's walking towards their cells in the dark, and the dog then starts to growl at the fireplace, and the sheriff slowly approaches, and Stella starts to ask if there's a new story in the book. And then the two of them start to demand to know what the story says and basically says let me the fuck out he of course ignores them and investigates the fireplace and they say at least tell us whose name's in the book and he goes Ramon right so we know who's next oh fuck Ramon looks at Stella and says that there's an old campfire story that used to be told to him all the time and he knows it's coming for him right like he knows I guess like what is his main story that scares him is and that's gonna be what gets him yep we then see a head roll down the chimney and the sheriff responds rationally. Are you shitting me? And then he opens fire on the head, which is one of the first smart decisions seen in this film. Yes. And I don't mean because of bad writing. I just mean the people in the movie are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the body parts start to drop down saying, me, Ty, Do Walker, or whatever the fuck. And a symbol <laughs> grabbing the sheriff by the head and snapping his neck like a champagne cord. His body is then thrown against the cells. And the ghoul, as I'm going to call it, starts to squeeze between the bars into Ramon's cell yelling coward the whole time. While it's stuck kind of like halfway through the bars, Stella reaches through the bars on her cell and grabs the sheriff's keys off of his corpse and gets them out. Right. So they can sneak out while the thing's stuck in the bars. Yep. And if things could not get any worse at this point, we see that Nixon has now won the election <laughs> on the news. Hey, 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 it's okay. He's
1: not a crook. <laughs> Allegedly. Newsflash, everyone. They're all crooks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Spoiler warning. <laughs> we gave it to you. <laughs> Ramon tells Stella to head to the Bellows house to plead with Sarah on foot while he steals the police cruiser and drives off because he knows the monster will chase him. Right? And maybe she can talk some sense into Sarah. Maybe. The idea works. She gets away scot-free. The monster chases down the cruiser really fast, pounces on the car, and starts to beat the shit out of it until Ramon slams the car into a Mack truck, pinning the monster in between the cruiser and the Mack truck. He runs away quickly. Luckily, he didn't walk up and inspect like they do so many times in these types of films. (laughs) But the monster just disassembles its parts, and they all drop and then reassemble. Voltron. It it very much (laughs) was like Voltron now that you mention it meanwhile, as Josh would say, Stella arrives at the house yelling that she's so sorry and that she knows or they know that she did not kill the kids and that they believe her. And we start to hear the song playing in the background and the house shifts from the rundown version to being completely fucking renewed. Right. Like in, it, in its original time.
1: Yeah. This part's so cool.
0: Yeah. yeah. And Ramon runs to the house and. Stella is missing, but the book's on the ground where we saw her last, right? So it's like she's been teleported back in time. The book stays. Yep. And it's on a story called The Haunted House, which starts to write itself, right? And for the next bit, we cut between Ramon running from the monster in the house and Stella witnessing Sarah's terrible life. They hide against the same door, but on different sides. And you can see Ramon in the shithole house and her in the nice house, right? yeah, Really cool shot. They're in different realities, timelines, whatever. And we realize that Stella's hiding in the room where the old blind lady was that Chuck saw. And she turns quickly to Stella and starts to yell, Sarah's here. She's here. She's here. And Stella looks in the mirror as she runs off. And all you can see is like long white hair. Like she was Sarah. You don't see Sarah's face, but you can tell it's an albino chick's hair. Yes. in the mirror. Right. She runs and hides with a bit of help from, I put Lulu, but it's not, it's Lulu's daughter. Right. Like, so, It was the daughter that we met earlier is a little girl and she shows her where she can hide and Ramon falls in his version and twists his ankle and starts to limp away and he falls down in front of, I think it's a piano she was hiding under and he's in front of like a torn down piano and he sticks his hand in like a pile of rubble and dust and he finds her old beat up glasses. Yep. Stella's glasses, right? Like he's finding them in the future from where they got left there in the past. Stella slash Sarah is found by the Bellows and drops her glasses on the ground where Ramon found them. And uh, strange things are afoot at the Circle K at this point. (laughs) 69, dudes. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) What the fuck? Anyways, before we go too far into another Dimensions field, um, (laughs) we see the Bellows family drag Stella into the basement into the bedroom that's, you know, further in the basement and tells her that she's going to go to the asylum if she tries to escape again, and then they cut out the lights and say she doesn't deserve lights. That's fucked. Pretty fucked up. <laughs> Stella starts to panic in the total darkness and finds Sarah's book and then starts to hear the ghostly voice of Sarah call to her. She then sees the ghostly figure appear, and Sarah says that she has another story to tell. Meanwhile, Ramon is hiding from the ghoul and says, Stella, if you can hear me, tell Sarah the truth. And Stella, of course, does hear him in the past because they're in the same room. And she says, No, Sarah, I want to tell you a story. And she's like, I'm going to tell you a story about you turning into the monster that everyone said you were. And she goes into more detail. As Ramon's finally captured by the ghoul, it like pounces on him. Stella hears Ramon getting like captured and starts to like panic more. And she says that she knows what her family did to her. And that was on them. But anything that Sarah did after that is on her. And Stella says that she'll tell her true story, but her rage has to stop. Yup. Sarah pulls out her non nudie pen. Oh, nice touch. Gives it to Stella with the caveat that she has to write the story in her own blood. So she like, pricks her thumb with the fountain pen, get some blood on there. And Stella writes that Sarah was innocent and blamed and was destroyed by her own family, by their greed, lies, and sins. Ain't that America? <laughs> she asks Sarah to let it all go. And Sarah gives a ghastly scream vanishing. And then we can see the me tie Dodie Walker fall apart and the pieces just kind of vanish. And Stella's now back in her own time and runs into Ramon, who hands her old, busted-ass glasses. And we get another Stella monologue about how Sarah was turned into a monster by her own family. And she's going to tell her story. And she says that, like Sarah, she was a creepy, lonely girl who knew how to tell a good story. We see her drop Ramon off at a bus stop where we can see that he's accepting his draft papers and heading to war. And she promises to write him every day. And then we hear her tell the importance of a story. We see that she's happy now, or appears happy, and she's riding in the truck with her dad. And she says that she can finally accept that Chuck and Augie are gone, but she knows that the secret's in the book somewhere and that she can find them. And she looks in the back seat, and we can see that Ruth's riding there with uh, some scars on her from those spider bites. And she's smiling, and it's like a road trip to go save her friends, right? Yeah,
1: like a setup for a sequel.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah credits and it's a cover of season of the witch yeah a few things i want to add here the stories that were somewhat put into the book right like i i left a couple out of here because they were just like you saw them when they flipped through like wendigo right yeah and you hear ramon mention the sewer rat pet right yeah but the main story of the scooby gang is loosely based on the story of the haunted house from the first book yeah because it's about a group of kids going in and, and all that stuff, but. You know, that's the main plot of the movie because they needed characters to drive it. Harold was a story from the third book. Okay. The Big Toe was from the first book and loosely adapted for Augie's story. Ruth is the red spot from book three, which still traumatizes me to this day. <laughs> Chuck was a story called The Dream, which was also in the third book. And Ramon gets the Me tie Dodie Walker from the first book. I guess they didn't like the second book very much. The- because there's no stories from there, unless like the Wendigo or the Sewer Rat was in the second yeah. book. But those stories, like they were just mentioned, right? I'd have to look it up. Sounds like I mostly remember the third book. I always mixed them up because I had all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> the Hearst song, like I said earlier, was actually a World War One song, and it is done to many different tunes. But the lyrics are always the same and it was in the first book and it was, don't you ever laugh as the hearse goes by for you may be the next to die. They wrap you in a big white sheet from your head down to your feet. They put you in a big black box and cover you up with dirt and rocks. All goes well for about a week. Then your coffin begins to leak. The worms crawl in. The worms crawl out. The worms play. Holy crap. That's what song this is? P-knuckle on your snout. They eat your eyes. They eat your nose. They eat the jelly between your toes. A big green worm with rolling eyes crawl in your stomach and out your eyes. Your stomach turns a slimy green and pus pours out like whipping cream. You spread it on a slice of bread and that's what you eat when you are dead. Yeah. And it, it's been covered by many people. Yeah, like I've, I have
1: I, I totally know the middle of it. I've never realized that that was part of that from the beginning because the whole, the worms yeah. crawl in, the worms crawl out, the yeah. worms play pinochle on your snout. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm hungry now. How about y'all?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I used to, I remember reading it over and over again in the book and like, oh, it's some gross shit, but I got to memorize this song. Da- right? And I didn't know until the other day that it was an old World War, one song. I just thought it was written. For the book, you know, and then people ended up putting music to it, but that that was mostly the melody or one of the melodies used. That is nuts. But uh that is scary stories to tell in the dark, a bit about the books, and uh probably one of my worst done summaries of a film. <laughs> I feel like I was a little tired on that one, but uh I think we hit the, the main points of the story there. We're 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 pushing through, y'all. It's fun, it's entertaining. Um I don't know if I'll let my kids watch it yet, but I think they're almost like there right so they did a good job of making it for 13 year olds maybe a little younger right um i'll let my kids watch shit they shouldn't a little bit you know yeah but as cool as it would have been for this to be full r-rated horror that's not what the author intended with the books the books are for kids exactly right i i remember seeing people complain online that it was pg-13 it was gonna be crap and i'm like the books were i mean i know you all like it but you liked it as a kid because they were written for kids and i think it would have been a travesty to not make the the movie pg-13 it's one of the few times you'll hear me say that (laughs) (laughs) and you know you couldn't just i mean technically they could have done like an anthology thing like creep show or or trick-or-treat and just had the stories yeah and that would have been neat but i I felt like they did a good job of taking one of the stories out of the book and making it bigger to give you a central plot and then include the stories in there i think it could have been cool either way like is the anthology or what we got but i very much enjoyed the film and they took black and white sketch drawings out of a book and made the fucking creatures real. And they were creepy as shit.
1: Yes. When I first heard that it was going to be coming out, it was like, okay, this could be awesome. And then it's like, and it's going to be PG 13. And it's like, Oh, I'm upset. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, well, that kind of makes sense. Right. And the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, it's all right. Like it's eh, whatever. And, um, going back to rewatch it because I didn't watch it again until for this episode and went back and watched it. I'm like, this is actually pretty good. I'm okay with the setup for a sequel. I'll doubt we'll get one, but I'd be totally fine with a sequel. And it is a, it's a little, a little bit on the darker side for young kids, but it is definitely, yeah. I, I think it's a good intro to horror, especially if you got yeah. weird people our age that show the books to their kids before seeing the movie. And like, can you imagine the, the joy you get to go through with that is like, like, Oh, these are the books. And then like, okay, now I'm terrified of this. Is like, and they made a movie like, Oh no. Like, and now you're (laughs) going to watch that shit too. Like that's, that's going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: and, you know, the goosebumps movies while not being bad, they were extra kiddie. Yes.
3: Compared to this. Or maybe I just
0: don't remember the books very well, but yeah, yeah. This like there's, there's, Really nothing overly bad that happens in it, but it would terrify a child.
1: Oh, yeah. Just because the imagery and the atmosphere. Just because the
0: kid's vanishing. Yeah, in the, in the imagery. So yep. you have uh, anything that stands out to you uh, about the movie you want to talk about? No, no,
1: no. The main thing being that I, I didn't know how they were going to do it without it being fucking disjointed. And the red dot was going to have to be in there. And that was pretty much it. I could, yeah. I, I, As long as that was in there, I, I wasn't going to shit on it. And I think they tied it together well. And taking the the haunted house story and using that as the vehicle for the whole thing—that's great. Yeah. There's actually go to it's generic, but it's fine. It ha- it has a ri- wide reach of also tying it together with the 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 sins of the parents and what they did to, yeah. to their kid, and you know, basically being what built and destroyed the town as the backdrop to all of it. That's that's genius. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think I think the uh, the adult horror movie lover in me is like, yeah, it's kind of boring and 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 uh, and pedantic, but but like the kid in me is like, holy shit, this is a movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Honestly,
0: that's probably when you see story by Guillermo del Toro, he probably came up with the whole overarching idea of the haunted house story and main characters carrying us. Whereas if other people did it, it probably would have been an anthology.
1: Exactly. And I think that would have, it would have cheapened it as, as odd as that seems, um, it probably would have cheapened it.
0: I don't know. I mean, this is a, a huge what if, cause it didn't happen that way, but I love me some anthology films. Oh yeah. And I think it could have done that as well, but it was nice having them all tied into the same town, which I guess you technically could have done that. Anyways, we've seen that happen before.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it takes the trick or treat approach with yeah. more depth. Like actually, it has another layer behind it. The the, the yeah. trick or treat doesn't, so it 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 shows.
0: Well, trick or treat would be like the anthology version, I would think. But there, the stories do link. Yeah, they to some extent. Exactly,
1: right? they at least link like the haunted house story does in this. But then to have the 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 all on the backdrop of of the origin of the big bad right which i guess you kind of anyways going off on a tangent but no fucking fun movie better than i expected i like it when movies are better than i expected especially when it's pg-13 horror. uh pg-13 horror yeah because that is a fucking rarity since about the year 2003
0: and i like the open ending like there could be a sequel but i don't think there really could be a sequel unless they wanted to just break out some more stories but i I feel like it'd get kind of redundant if they continued a story. Yeah. I think knowing that she's using the book and has her dad in on it and got Ruth out of the loony bin and they're going on this wild fucking ride, you know, to, to find her friends. I th- that was enough for me, I think. Oh, yeah, like, to totally. Like, just leave it where... I can imagine she failed or succeeded. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's fine because you're right. If they if they did keep going without just going back to the well, it would have to be like, oh, my God, there really was black magic in a cult and all this other shit was a ruse and we were actually yeah. all tricked and da-da-da-da-da. That, that's I mean, not the only
0: way it could happen. I guess you could have like a reverse approach. like Stella could flip through the old stories that already exist and then track down people in those towns or or wherever right and kind of use that to build a history to figure out where everybody went so instead of it like being oh no the stories are magically writing themselves about stella again she's investigating previous stories and as she reads the stories we see them happen and she used that as clues
1: so your pitch is my name is earl meet
0: supernatural (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) I don't know. I've only seen like two. My name is Earl's. So. Oh no,
1: but you know the whole premise. Like he's got a list and he's trying to write all the wrongs of all all the oh, all okay. the people he's right. Yeah. So like my brain is a- not
0: not necessarily write the wrongs, but, but it's still like she's taking to that out list where her friends went yeah. and she has all these other stories and she can kind of historically track them down. But she's just reading the stories that already happened and then we get to see you know it what play in all, not, in
1: all that'd be cool. It, well, it would. And in all seriousness, I, I joked that my name is Earl in Supernatural. It would probably work better as a series. Even like a limited run yeah. series,
0: so you could tell each each little story. But anyways, I'm sure we could talk about this one forever because we grew up with it. <laughs> since we were very young. young, so I guess it's a it's a good time for Josh to jump into 2010's Troll Hunter, which got Andre Overdahl's big start right yep
1: so troll hunter 2010 quick quick backstory of my first exposure to this movie so (laughs) the wife was like oh shit this is on netflix or whatever the fuck it was streaming on and she's like we're gonna watch this we're gonna watch this and and i'm like is it dubbed is it dubbed and she's like no and i'm like okay and i go to the studio (laughs) because i'm like i'm not (laughs) in the mood to read a movie and uh i come in later and we'll get to the scene but uh it's the the cave scene, and that's when I come walking okay. back in, and she's like bombarding me with you know Christian blood, blah blah blah, yada yada yada, and I'm looking at what I'm seeing on the screen, looking at her what she's telling me, and I'm like. So the big nose, ugly things want to kill the Christians. What the hell is trying to be said in this movie? <laughs> and like, I was half joking and half serious. No, it's all troll legends. Well, right? Well, in, in, in my digging, yes. And we're going to get it. We're going to get into a <laughs> decent amount of fucking troll mythology here. Not just the, the actual making of the movie. Because um, there's not a lot of behind the scenes on this style of movie. But I do want to clear something up right in the fucking beginning because I made a joke about it, and I actually got to hear somebody ask it in an interview. Like, are we trying to represent any particular people or anything like this? Like, trying to ask Andre over it all if if it's like an anti-Semitic statement, and he's like, "Of course not." <laughs> and he's like explaining. <laughs> he starts explaining the book, and the the book is real important. Where he got all the the troll designs from is the specific uh-huh. artwork in this fairy tale book, and that's like that's the whole thing about it. Like. No, you guys are really reaching. Like, this is what the movie's actually about. Like, you got too much Eric Cartman in you and shit. So, anyways, I just have to have that on the front end. So, uh, written and directed by Andre Overdahl, in case anybody was wondering. No shit. And, uh, really? God, I am. Mine was, too. <laughs>
0: well, he didn't write it.
1: <laughs> I am about to slaughter some names. Um. Oh, yeah,
0: this is going to be bad. This just this is going to be just like the... Um- the Christmas movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, rare exports. I've got a thing
0: for yeah, fucking Norwegian one. movies on this show. <laughs> Is that one Norwegian or Finnish? It might have oh, been Finnish. I think
1: you're right. I think you're right. Close enough. I'm an American. I'm allowed the, to say that. The names
0: that. were just as just as tough for you to fuck yes. up though. Well easy for you yeah, to yeah, fuck yeah, up. Yeah. But and, tough and those to say. long
1: town names. Um anyways. <laughs> Otto Jespersen as Hans and uh he was cast and mainly known as a comedian. And uh, we've got Glenn Erland, Tostrad as Thomas. That's the best I can do on that last name, who was cast for being known as a comedian. We've got uh, Johanna Mark as Johanna, who was cast because of being known as a comedian. And uh, then we also have...
0: I'm sensing a pattern yeah, here. Yeah, a
1: little bit of a pattern. And then we've got Thomas Alf Larsen as Kalal who was cast because of being a comedian. Now, I keep saying that okay. because what Andre actually looked for was how he wrote it. He really wanted to rely on improv. I'm going to make some jokes here, but it was really was the Blair Witch approach.
0: I was going to say that that's really like what makes the good found footage movies work is when you let the people wing it. Yes. And who can wing things better than a comedian? Exactly. So we got to get from A to B, and I'm going to roll camera and
1: rely on y'all to fill in the blanks. And okay. that's what they did. Like you touched on earlier, um, Andre really had no script when he pitched it, just an idea. And this is like going to the fucking Australian Film Commission and shit. Like, if you want to get something made, you go get tax money. And uh, right, he actually started the pitch, and it was going south. And he actually says, you know what, guys? I'm not totally prepared for this. Can we reschedule? And they were cool with it. Ha! Huh. Still didn't have anything, but was better prepared to make the pitch the next time. And they're like, cool, let's do it. let let let's roll with it. And, um, uh, <laughs> like you said, the final version of the film is the fourth script. Cause he'd get to a, a spot and start rewriting and go, well, got to go back to the beginning. Okay. <laughs>
0: I didn't know how many times he wrote it or that he couldn't pitch it. I just knew he said make sure you make a damn good pitch on your first movie That's and why. then he started over from scratch. So yes. it's it's nice to actually hear how he did it in practice
1: <laughs> oh like i said most of the actors or that was planned for the actors to mostly improvise all the troll designs were based on a specific book from the 1800s that he never names in an interview i was watching something else where they cite what book they say it is but i couldn't find him saying that book so i wasn't gonna say that okay
0: is it possible that the authors of that book didn't like jewish people i don't know but it's It's there's some it's fucked up, man. There's some weirdness in here,
1: though. When we get into the whole Christian blood and all that, well, we're going to go into some things.
0: And, you know, I was always into like not only folklore and stuff, but mythology and had all those weird fucking books on random monsters. And I remember that popping up about trolls a lot. You know, well, I mean,
1: well, that one I'll go into right now, like more of a Western and European thing is we know fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman coming from the giant. Well, they basically had the same thing in Norwegian and Finnish folktales where it was the same thing, but it was, I smell the blood of a Christian man, but it was, it was the same thing. It was still a thing about the newcomers and there's a real specific part in the movie where I'll go into what is cited as like the biggest anchor for that in the fairy tales. But okay, we'll get there. This was all shot on location at all the places with the really fucking long names in the movie of which I noted none. <laughs>
0: You would just mumble them out anyway, so it doesn't. Matter. Exactly. So uh,
1: while looking for interviews and shit on YouTube, I found so many fake videos that are like, you know, like those those videos that are like floating city found above China, and it's like some fake right. CGI shit. There were so many of those, like actual troll cited in blah blah blah, and it's shit from this movie <laughs> every fucking time. <laughs> this is so
0: fucking funny. Is it like some uh, Bigfoot sighted? It's like Harry and the Hendersons. Clips, exactly. But like with some grain thrown on it.
1: <laughs> So, uh, one of the best practical effects in the film is that, uh, Otto did not have a beard, did not have facial hair at all. The entire movie that's fake every shot and I'm not joking. Okay. The reason that we have uh, a veterinarian as a, uh, not a primary character, but an important character in this movie is because Andre's married to a veterinarian or at least was okay. when making this movie. I assume he still is. I don't know. I didn't dig that deep.
0: Was his wife, the veterinarian in the film?
1: No. Not that I could find. Okay. I did look not positive. (laughs) Okay. Two big things that I found awesome about what he cites as inspiration for this movie. And he said he was trying to make Jaws meets Jurassic Park. (laughs) And that that Quint was- With Blair Witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that Quint from Jaws was the inspiration for Hans. So I kind of see that now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, No, no, I definitely- See the Quint Hans thing.
1: (laughs) One of the coolest yet saddest things is once this movie got traction, a deal was at least started for a U.S. remake with Chris Columbus's 1942 pictures to produce and Neil Marshall to direct. And it
0: never took off. I mean, Neil Marshall has made a lot of bad movies recently. (laughs) Recently, yes. (laughs) But if we go back to the descent and Dog Soldiers. Dog Soldiers. I, I could see him making a good good version of the story. Um, was Chris Columbus gonna be writing the film or was it just his company? They just said it was it? gonna
1: be produced by nineteen forty two pictures.
0: Cause like, I mean, he makes great family movies. That's that's what Chris does. But his humor, I I could see. Oh hell yeah. Making the uh, making this movie, yes. right?
1: And that's another thing. This is a Norwegian film like to some people they're like, "Man, that was a shitty found footage horror film." Like, this is a comedy. This this is a comedy yeah. fairy tale with a sprinkling of drama and horror. That's what it really
0: is. And I often saw this film cited on list of like best found footage movies and i just never saw it right and i i've admitted several times on this podcast i, I like every foreign film i've ever watched and and did the dubbed or, or read through it but like unfortunately it turns me away some like initially <laughs> right yeah adhd it's hard for me to read and watch man but um this always popped up on list and and you said you liked it even before we were covering them yep. right and i still never watched it and i watched it for the podcast and i went in expecting blair witch project <laughs> like i thought it was gonna be serious i mean not literally blair witch project but i thought it was gonna that be serious, kind of tone like that and and as soon as i realized it was a comedy like i just got super extra on board now granted i was the first time i watched it i was working on something for work but at the house and i needed to be able to listen oh okay <laughs> there was gonna be no reading so that's how i, I started with the um uh, The dubbed version, but I was pleasantly surprised that it was a comedy film, but I was not expecting that whatsoever.
1: So we start with a prologue that is as
0: follows. Well, you're just going to jump on in there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And away we go. On October 13th, 2008, Film Kamarakatane AS received an anonymous package with two hard discs containing 283 minutes of film material. This film is a rough cut version of that material. Everything is shown in chronological order and no images have been manipulated. A team of investigators spent more than a year trying to establish whether this was a practical joke or if the material was authentic. They concluded it was authentic. (laughs) <laughs> what's interesting about that is this movie was actually shot in chronological order um, because of the way he wanted them to improvise it was well we can't do this scene yeah. first and change and make sure you say this blah 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 even though they did do some day after reshoots because of stuff like that yeah but shot it in order because that was the easiest way to do it
0: it's easier in improving because so you have to remember what you fucking did right exactly
1: so we then cut straight to three peeps in a car that we're going to learn are thomas Kella and Johanna and uh, they're in Norway and they're listening to this broadcast on the radio talking about bear tracks being found. (laughs) And the broadcast also mentions a poacher. And this seems to interest this group. And uh, we then cut to them interviewing what I would lovingly refer to, lovingly refer to as Norwegian rednecks. And they're (laughs) going on and on about how, yeah, only a select few of us have bear hunting licenses. And this dude's nothing but a fucking poacher. (laughs)
0: Right, making us look bad. Exactly. If you think about it, these are basically Viking rednecks. Yes, it's a fucked up thing to wrap your mind. I know.
1: Why do they have guns? They should be able to hunt bear with their hands. Anyways, oh yeah, and hatchets. (laughs) So uh, we jump right back to the group in the car because they're filming themselves. What you don't know yet is they're they're setting up to try to make a documentary type thing that they. Not to sell, but just to get the news out there. Anyways, we'll get to all that. So they're back in the car and they're trying to tail someone, but they lose him. And we then learn that the man's name that is the poacher and presumably or the supposed poacher and who they were probably trying to tail is Hans and that they're trying to get an interview with him. And they learn that he's staying in this nasty smelling camper nearby. (laughs) So they stake out the camper and uh, they're sitting there for a while. And Hans shows up and they just fucking pounce on his ass as soon as he pulls up. Yeah. yeah. And Thomas is like, hi, I'm Thomas and, and 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 we're from the local college and blah, 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 blah. And Hans is just like covered in like blood and troll guts and shit and just unloading his fucking Land Rover in, into his camper, totally ignoring him. And uh, finally, he's had enough. Leave me alone. They do take note of how thrashed his Land Rover is. And they manage to plant a mic near the door of his camper. And then they run back to their car and they're listening <laughs> on the microphone and uh, they hear him talking to someone. And he says that he expects to find it tonight.
0: So I will be honest and say, like, I didn't realize it was a comedy yet at this scene. And when he just walks up and he's like, hey, I'm here to ignore you. And he basically says, fuck off. I'm like, what am I watching? I know. Because it sounded bad. And that made me like pause and then turn the subtitle version on. <laughs> it, it, it is delivered better like in their natural dialogue uh, when you're reading it. But, you know, you get a little bit further and you realize it's a comedy. And, and I kind of backtracked in my head. I'm like, okay, I was funny. Yes. Now, like they just like, hey, we're really bad at this. and <laughs> I'm just diving in. And uh, but yeah, like if you don't know that at first, that was the first like, what is, what's going on with the story right now? Exactly. <laughs> and what's real interesting
1: with you bringing that up is if you watch the dub version with subtitles on at the same time, you'll get. Different phrases in the subtitles oh. than you will in the English dubbed audio that are like different turn of phrase type things. That, okay. that the direct translation into text makes more sense in a couple of scenes, and it's not like plot okay. wise or anything, it's a really bad dub, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Unfortunately,
0: it always amazes me how bad. <laughs> dubbed dialogue is in movies because it's not like actors aren't used to like ADRing lines. I know. Sometimes whole fucking films. And it's not like there's just not fucking slews of voice actors that do cartoon work. Yeah. Right. And and it's delivered. But I've never, you know, because I was real big into martial arts movies when we were younger too. Right. And I've never seen a dubbed movie where the dialogue's not bad. Yeah. (laughs) It's rough.
1: So uh, Hans then leaves the campground and they try to chase and they lose him again. And uh, so they say, fuck it. And they head back to the camp and they start peeping in on his camper. And uh, it's filled with all these clumps of hair and a shotgun. And that's a big deal because like it's it's not like everybody has a gun over there. It's not like here. And like the hunters are talking about how there's only a select few that are allowed to get a license to hunt bear and shit like that. So for this guy to have fucked up equipment in a fucked up place and a shotgun is kind of like, what the fuck? So the next day they interview the rednecks who have a dumb bear, a murdered dumb bear. <laughs>
2: Cause that's how it is on the
1: It's like, Oh, bears are dumb. Da, 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 da. It's so bad, but it's funny. And uh, everybody's like, could it have been Hans the poacher? And uh, one of the hunters then points out that the bear tracks are a little odd. And he's like getting down on the ground. And he's everything. You know, a bear wouldn't normally walk like this. There's something different about this bear.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And then they question this dude from the wildlife board, and he's going to become kind of important
2: later. Yeah.
1: They're like, well, what do you think about what uh, the hunters are saying about the oddities in those bear traps?
2: These hunters say those aren't bear tracks. What do you say to that?
3: Oh, hey, that's ridiculous. Uh, that's uh, pure nonsense. Uh,
1: there, There's a bear
0: right there with uh, tracks all around it. Huh? All right. He's sus. <laughs> You've been hanging out with my son? <laughs> breaking out the sauces uh-huh.
1: so uh they then stake out hans again and give chase yet again and this time uh, they tail him long enough to see him go somewhere and put a tire under a bridge and then he's making his way back <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> and uh, they end up cornering him on a ferry And uh, they can't get him to respond or anything. And Thomas is like, did you shoot that bear? Just like fucking flat out says it. And uh, he's like, you guys need to fuck off. And uh, he walks away again. And they all head back to the campground. I I need a different word because it's not meanwhile. It's going to be so... They follow him again, (laughs) so many times (laughs) in the beginning of this movie. So that night they follow him again, and this time they tail him into a blasting area because there's a sign hanging there that it's a blasting area. So they better keep out. So they jump the fence and uh, they they, they (laughs) head deep into the woods on foot until they find Hans's uh, Land Rover. Then they hear distant Blair Witch noises. That's the best way for it. Like in all seriousness, like just strange, strange noises in the woods and then they hear shrieks followed by these flashing lights in the distance then Hans runs up to them and screams
2: troll
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the group runs back to Hans's truck but Thomas gets bit by something along the way and we don't get to see what it is cuz this is found footage this is their cameraman running through the fucking woods at night shaking and everything we don't know what the fucks right. going on just troll and uh <laughs> they regroup with Hans Hans patches up Thomas real quick and he agrees to take them back to their car. And when they get there, the car's fucking thrashed, flipped over and shit. Like, what in the shit is actually going on? This is like our first serious beat. Like, what the fuck?
0: Right. Out of curiosity, not to put you on the spot, but is the Norwegian word for troll still troll?
1: Um, I think it is. I think it's just got like one of them things over a letter. <laughs> <laughs> and oopsie lawn? Yeah. Wait. No, that's what it is when my internet goes
0: out. Oopsie lawn. <laughs> 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 good one that's a that was a dad joke there it was oh jesus <laughs> i was just curious because i was wondering if you know he yelled troll in in your subtitled version or i'm trying to pi- i'm else. trying
1: to picture it i'll have to look
0: i'll let everybody know in the next one
1: <laughs> so then they're like um hans did you really say troll back there And he's like i'm leaving do you want to ride and uh <laughs> So they're riding with him and they really want to stay on the hunt. They're like, we are so intrigued now. So Hans eventually agrees that they can come along, but only if they agree to do exactly as they are told. They're like, sure. So the next night, they all head out. But before they do, Hans asks them a very important question Do any of you believe in God or Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Thomas and Johanna are both like, no. And Kala is uh, well, a little bit different.
2: No, none of us. I don't. But I don't. Me. Are I you serious? Or because they can
0: smell the blood of a Christian man.
1: So he's obviously not taking this very seriously. And I'm, I, this is where I want to talk about the, the blood of Christians thing. So it's Norway. It's very rugged, mountainous terrain. You build buildings on steep slopes. Eventually there's landslides. So this would happen or dislodge rocks, roll down hills, destroy buildings, destroy churches. This is part of where you got the original lore of, oh, it's the trolls in the hills Ah, dislodging rocks and destroying the churches. And that's just one of the one of many things I ran across on this about the actual fairy tale lore of why you get the whole Christian blood thing. But that's where it really came from. Like it was a natural event, but blame the trolls, which totally right. fucking makes sense in a fairy tale kind of way.
0: But we're talking hill trolls here and mountain trolls, not bridge trolls. Correct. Bridge okay. Yeah, bridge trolls
1: are in New Jersey. Um we're gonna get to that. I think we have one <laughs> in the film actually. We do, along with three billy goats.
0: And the largest syringe I've ever yes, seen in my life. it's so good. <laughs> um,
1: so they head out on the hunt, and uh, they quickly learn that Hans has been using these blasting zone signs to keep people away while he hunts. That shit's fucking smart. <laughs> right. And, uh, they're getting ready to get close to a troll, and he tells the group that they need to go get naked, wash up in the creek, and then roll troll booger all over themselves. Now, I call it troll booger, but he just keeps referring it to troll stench, but it really just looks like
0: a big booger. In all seriousness. I just assumed it was troll piss.
1: That would work, too. (laughs) So uh, they get up with flashlights and a death ray and head out. I'm sorry, a death ray? Yes, thank you. So um, what Hans has got is this fucking UV shotgun
3: <laughs> that he carries around. <laughs> and it's
1: like, oh shit, that's what was flashing in the woods last night. All right, I'm I'm, I'm getting it now. We'll find out why UV light is important
0: shortly. Does anyone actually have to be explained why UV light's important when you're talking about trolls or vampires?
1: No, but I think it's awesome by the time we get to the veterinarian who tries to break it down okay. scientifically. It's so fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> So even with everything that's gone on, Callal is still not taking things seriously, and he's fucking joking and da 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 da. And uh, yeah, let's let's set up what's going to happen to his character. So Hans then gets on the phone with a veterinarian, and uh, <laughs> he's telling the veterinarian that he's on the trail of a wranglefinch. And uh, the vet tells him, "You're going to need to get a blood sample." And he's like, a blood sample?
2: <laughs> like
0: Because we're only hearing his... Si- better than getting a semen sample. <laughs>
1: fuck, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. But we're only... Um, I'm rubbing off on you. Um, we're only getting
0: Hans' <laughs> side of the conversation during this phone call. I don't know if that's good for this podcast. Uh, you rubbing off on uh, me?
2: <laughs> that's great.
0: <laughs> we got to have one of you. We can't have two of you. Like, <laughs> then it just changes the whole dynamic. <laughs> we need a Justin and Josh.
1: Oh, Jesus. So uh, Hans gets off the phone and then pushes ahead. The group starts to kind of hang back and talk amongst themselves and like, maybe this is all BS. Then the lights start to flash in the distance. It kind of goes unnoticed until
0: troll. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to get old.
1: Hans and a burst out from the tree line. This particular type of troll is a three headed troll that they did make up for the film. Okay. Hans ends up later on giving a whole explanation about the real head and the fake heads and all the shit, but but Andre admits that like we wanted something kinda different that wasn't in the book, so this one we made up. Okay. So of course they run, like any normal person would do, and the troll gives chase. Kala gets separated. Then he eventually comes up because he's he's got the camera. He's the one he's the cameraman. And he eventually spots Thomas. It's like, Holy shit, there you are, we're alive. And they make their way back to Hans and uh, they kind of hide out as Hans goes back and blasts the beast with light and it turns to fucking stone. And this guy's like, I don't know, 40 feet tall, fucking impressive. But if you think that's impressive, wait till the third act. So you got to imagine that like Hans has just killed this shark and then Hans turns back around and he's like, which one of you believes in God? (laughs) So Hans also reveals that, look, he's working for the government and they want to keep it all a secret, but he's ready to let the cat out of the bag because it's a really shitty job. He gets no overtime, no hazard pay. And what he has to do to the trolls is shitty for him and them. And he's ready to let the world know.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's a semen collector. <laughs> <laughs> it all seriousness, I really like the government angle getting thrown. At. Oh,
1: yeah. It's great. Especially by the end. Oh, that was so genius. Anyways.
0: But yeah, I mean, he also has to get accused of being a bear poacher, which is apparently super frowned upon. him. Yeah. <laughs> It seems like it's like saying, yeah, oh, this guy hunts bald eagles. <laughs> like in the United States, you know.
1: And kills them all with flamethrowers. What a dick. So, Hans then destroys the stone troll with hammers and explosives. So the blasting sign yeah. is for two things. Fucking smart again. And uh but then that same wildlife ass hat from before shows up. And this time we find out his name's Finn. And he fucking scolds yeah. Hans like like he knows him. And he brings in this Polish cleanup team, <laughs> and they bring in a dead bear.
0: <laughs> are they Polish? Are they actually Polish? Yeah, there's.
3: It.
1: I read this thing that there's like this whole joke in a Norwegian joke that like the Polish people are just like the underlings to do what they're told, like as a tongue-in-cheek joke, not a not okay. a superiority joke. Um, so that's why it was done that way, because like the sign of the van says like Polish tree painters or something, something dumb like that. Yeah. I remember that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. So that's what that whole joke was supposed to be. So while all the cover up is going on, Hans explains his job to the film crew.
3: I'd say my job is to eliminate any troll that breaks out of its territory and comes near people.
1: And he also explains that Finn is with the TSS more on them later. So, uh, the group all heads off for breakfast and Hans is doing paperwork. (laughs) Even this job has paperwork associated with it? And so he starts to explain more. There's mountain trolls and woodland trolls and some have one head and some grow more. And he explains what the TSS is. It's the Troll Security Service as he's filling out his troll kill paperwork. (laughs) They're asking more about the trolls and everything. And about the only other things he really says is that they live to be over a thousand years old and that they're pretty dumb.
0: (laughs) Which we'll see a good bit of.
1: We will. So everybody goes back to the camp and they get to go inside his camper as guests this time. And uh, we learn that the furry things they saw all inside of his camper are actually troll tails. And re up and they head out again this time to find this damn Ringlefinch. Because Hans is a dedicated motherfucker. Like, he don't sleep. Yeah. So <laughs> they, uh, they find some tracks and dead animals nearby while they're out on their look. Or search that makes more sense while they're out on their search and uh, (laughs) they go to investigate and they roll up on fucking finn telling the public and like a news crew and shit like oh this is all from a bear and uh (laughs) And there's like all these dead animal entrails under a bridge. And Finn's like, oh, Russian bears. Yes. Russian bears will store their kills under bridges. And, uh, one of the guys from the group is like, and they walk cross-legged because when the cleanup crew comes, they've got bear paws on sticks and they're, they're making fake tracks Yeah, yeah. and they're pointing out that like he had the, the poles in the wrong hands when he was doing it. Yeah. It's so fucking
0: funny. (laughs) Oh my God. Anyways, Finn might have a worse job, have to, like, spin these bear stories constantly. Yes. <laughs> fucking Russian bears store
1: their food under bridges and walk cross-legged. That's survival. Fucking
0: <laughs> remember that if you're ever in Norway. <laughs> they can't move very fast. It's kind of like somebody trying to chase you with their pants down their ankles. They're just going to waddle. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: so... uh <laughs> The next night or that night, whichever it is, Hans and his enormous syringe attempt a Jurassic Park <laughs> bait and switch to catch the fucking Ringlefinch because he's got fucking three billy goats on a bridge. And this is obviously fucking three billy goats gruff. We know this story. Yeah. Now, this syringe and his fucking bear suit, <laughs> which I say bear suit for a reason, it's fucking epic because he's got his, he's got his suit on, but if you pay attention, he's also got dynamite strapped to his chest and a big red button. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i didn't notice that yes
1: there's a plan b built into this fucking suit <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's even better i someone snorted oh my god
1: and uh if you've never seen the youtube video of the guy with the homemade bear suit just fucking look that shit up because that's what this reminds me of anyways it works the wrinkle finch is like comes up under the bridge and is like reaching up trying to grab the goats and shit and, uh, he finally chows down on one and, uh, our, our videographers are off from at a distance from the bridge, kind of watching all this go down. They approach after he's, e- after the, the trolls eaten one of the goats and, and it's like, I'm going to go spread some Christian man's blood to entice the troll. And like, that's how the, the dubbing for Hans is. So it's so, it's yeah. so much better than it's bad. It's like, Jill, here's a lock pick. <laughs> you know, it's like that. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, anyways The Christian man's blood works A little too well And Hans gets his ass kicked
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought he was fucking dead When I saw him. It was very um, Monty Python (laughs) Holy Grail Yes (laughs) This troll
1: just slaps his ass around on the bridge And they're like, oh my god, Hans But they don't say anything Because they don't want to get eaten by the troll (laughs) And a
0: Puny god (laughs) The
1: troll buggers off they're like, holy shit, are you alive? And he's like, yeah, And uh, He's like, I'm going to go get the sample now.
0: She <laughs> fucking follows this troll <laughs> under the bridge. <laughs> but that, I was going to make a semen joke, but it doesn't do the syringe justice.
1: Oh, no, it is like so comedic. So off into the darkness, we get a blast of UV death rays. And then a fuck ton of <laughs> blood <laughs> comes flying out all over everybody. And uh, Hans is like, I got the sample. <laughs> and they head off to the vet where hilda is so they're talking to her she agrees to do like an actual interview she says her theory is that it all has to do with vitamin d the uv exposure causes the younger trolls to get so gassy they explode and the older ones overproduce calcium to the point they turn to stone
0: (laughs) so (laughs) troll deaths are caused by the same thing as COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> right? Wasn't that one of the one of the theories? Take lots of vitamin D and you can't get. Well, it. I
1: mean, that's that's for your immune system in general. It's actually very good to have yeah, copious amounts. Yeah. But I have a vitamin D deficiency. I take ten thousand IU's a day. Dude, I just think it's so fucking genius that he's like, I gotta talk to my wife. And see if there's any form of science I can
0: attach to this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming his wife helped him write like this. Part. Had to have.
1: So later they go over some more Hans's research, and they learn about a giant troll, a mountain king called a Jotnar. I think it, it may actually pronounce Jotnar since it's a J. Most likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they make plans for their next hunt because that's all they fucking do is hunt. The movie's called fucking Troll Hunter. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) so they're cruising along and they stop off for a tire check.
2: The territory finishes up here on this mountain. This, This is a tire virtually intact. And Hans believes
0: that not a single troll has left this territory. If they had left, they would have chewed on this piece of tire.
1: Holy shit. That's why I was putting the tire under the bridge earlier. It all yeah. makes sense. Okay. So, uh, we now know about, you know, they'll stay in their areas. This is how we find out if they're straying outside of their areas. Cool. Then the local news reports that a tornado has hit nearby and, uh, they go to investigate cause Hans he, fucking Hans. He's like, Nope. Troll. <laughs> <laughs> and they go and look at the damage and Hans is like, at least three trolls. <laughs> and uh, now they're on to their next hunt. That night they go, and this time, uh, Callow starts to get cold feet. He's, like, really freaking out, and doesn't really want to go, and they're going deeper into the woods, and he's, you know, just making little comments, and they finally come up on this abandoned mine, and uh, Hans is like, uh, it's their lair, but thankfully nobody's home. Let's go look. They go poking around, don't really find anything except for evidence of Troll staying in there. And as they decide to pack it up and leave, they hear a noise near the entrance, and it's five trolls. And these are like—they remind me of like something out of like Fraggle Rock, or there's there's <laughs> yeah. something familiar about them because they're they're big, but they're not as big as what we've seen. They're these stubby, furry trolls.
0: It made me think of Labyrinth, I think, or Neverending Story. It's one of the two, or maybe a, a mixture. Eh? Because there's the rock trolls that eat the rocks, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Never yeah. Story, but there's something like the fire guys that take their heads off in labyrinth. Like there's a bit of that in yeah. there, which is kind of Fraggle Rock. So they're
1: Muppets. We 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 had the same feeling. Mm.
0: Some some yeah, form yeah. of puppet. Okay, the rock thing from Neverending Story. I think I actually thought of there's a the rock troll earlier, right? Yeah.
1: So, so um, the exit is obviously blocked by these five trolls. So uh, the group piles into the small offshoot in the mine. And the trolls come into the main big room at the back of the mine and they go to sleep. And Hans is like, we're going to have to wait it out. And like pulls his hat down like nap time.
2: <laughs> like this ain't his first <laughs> fucking rodeo.
1: And all this time, Kala is going crazy. And he's like, give me more troll stench. And just rubbing it all over him. And shit. Yeah. Yeah. And he starts to freak the fuck out while the, the trolls are farting. And uh, I'm not joking. <laughs> They're farting in their sleep and shit. And he just blurts out, I'm Christian. We're going to die. Like. What the fuck, yeah, man? Yeah. This of course wakes the trolls up and they all got a bolt for the exit. Hans blasts away with the fucking UV death ray. They run, but Kala gets eight
0: and I believe he was eaten. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's from his point of view though because he's the cameraman so like he's running yeah. and like you see it's like the end of the descent like you see the the exit and all of a sudden you start floating up in the air and that's what you're seeing and yeah. you're hearing him yeah. scream and then bone crunching and then fucking the camera fall to the ground like it's the first scene in the movie that's like this is actually kind of creepy <laughs> it made me think
0: of cloverfield yeah 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 yeah, when, when the cameraman gets it at the end.
1: So uh he's fucking dead, but the camera still works because uh <laughs> Johanna goes and gets it. And uh Hans is just like all matter of factly is like, Oh, there's more trolls in this cave. Mountain kings. Uh we'll need to come back for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the the more you talk about him, it's quick. <laughs> like especially with the hat pulled down, like he doesn't give a fuck yes. and he's gonna take a nap. And
1: uh Obviously, Hans does say, like, holy shit, you know, your friend got eight. He should have told us he was fucking Christian. Um, I warned you. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's like, if y'all don't want to go on, I get it. But if you do want to go on, we can't stop. We just got to keep pushing through. And they're like, fuck it. You know, we're already dying. Let's just keep going. And um, they head back to the camp and they go to, you know, re up on supplies and shit. And Finn's there digging through Hans's camper. He says he's looking for the tapes. Like, Obviously, y'all been filming shit because he's like, turn that fucking camera off, blah, 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 blah. And she's doing the whole holding at her side thing, like, you know, whatever. Anyways, and she's getting pissy like her friend just died. You know, so she confronts Finn and she's like, what is it? What's your involvement in this? What do you do? And he's saying that his job is none of their business. And uh, he's really pissy and a scuffle kind of ensues. But uh, Finn just ends up threatening all of them and walking away. like, you'll pay for your insolence. You know, I'm above the law. You know, that kind of character. (laughs) So, uh, third act. Yes, already.
0: A <laughs> 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 lot, lot quicker than I reached this uh, destination.
1: So, the turn that not a goddamn person on this planet saw coming. They hire a new camerawoman. Her name is. Oh
0: my god! It's my <laughs> second favorite joke in the movie.
1: <laughs> Her name is Malika, who isn't Christian, but she is Muslim.
0: Muslim is okay, right? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Straight up. That's the first question. You a Christian? I'm Muslim. I think I... Oh,
1: Lord. So uh, we learned that she's an experienced wildlife photographer. That's a good thing. She's like, yeah, lions, tigers, bears. Like, yeah, you ever seen a troll?
0: (laughs) I like how they don't tell her shit, but they just make sure she's not Christian. Exactly.
1: And uh, Hans is kitting up his SUV for the fucking zombie apocalypse. Like, lights all over it, speakers, barbs, fucking all kinds of wild shit. And they head out, and uh, this time, you know, we, we've... <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot to stop off first. <laughs> so <then> they quickly <laughs> find a massive amount of damaged trees. <laughs> and Hans is like, well, it wasn't a squirrel.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God, it's so good when you understand it's a comedy. So after they get away from the woods, we're getting a different setting than we're used to. It's like Badlands and like... Rocky Mountains in the distance and shit. There's power lines, like
2: big
1: power lines. And Hans explains that the giant power lines in the area are secretly an electric fence for the 200 foot tall uh, T-Rexes, yat that that they're trying (laughs) to keep contained. So they drop in on this nearby power station and they find out that a section of power lines was recently damaged and nobody knows why. Hans then leads the group to a conveniently located TSS outpost to wait for the troll to come to them.
0: It makes sense to me, though, because I kind of, like, gathered from watching the film, they don't hunt and kill all trolls, only the one... Like, they let the trolls live in their natural habitat where people aren't allowed. But if they venture out, they they kill the the ones that, that escaped. Death. And, uh, you would have an outpost, probably, where you had the electric fence. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: it's just odd to me that, that it's that close to the power station, but we don't know how long they drove, so I'll give them that. So, uh, once they're at the outpost... Thomas asks Hans uh, why he doesn't like going directly into troll territory because Hans has made mention of it a couple of times that, he, oh, this is their territory. I don't really like going there. And uh, Hans tells him about the slaughter and that there was this one time that they had actually burrowed under all the power lines through these tunnels and that he was sent in to kill them all, even the newborns. And that really fucked with him. So an hour before dawn, they hear thunder or what they think is thunder. At least the film crew does and they head out because like they're like did you hear that and Hans is already fully decked out and walking out the front door (laughs) oh yeah so they're following him as he's getting in his truck and the vet calls and explains that the troll blood sample was positive for fucking rabies (laughs) yeah of
0: all things rabies
1: yeah and Hans says that guy must have somehow infected the trolls and now even Thomas has it (laughs) Because Thomas has been bitching yeah. about that bite he got in the dark that we don't know what it came
0: from, and I don't know how it comes across in the the native dialogue, but like <laughs> fucking English version, wait, do I have fucking rabies? Yes. Do I have fucking rabies? Like the the dub version's great, oh.
1: and I'm presuming that when Han says that guy, he's meaning Finn. I mean, I got nothing else. Uh. So the crew's like, it's mainly Johanna. She's like, holy shit, dude. If you got rabies, we got to get you to a fucking hospital. And uh, they fall back to the cabin until they actually see the Yatnar in the distance. And it's like, holy shit, it's Bigfoot. Like, this dude's huge. And they go rush into Han's truck like, fuck it. And the troll is running up. And Hans is like, freeze. And then he starts blaring. What a friend we have in Jesus (laughs) on the speaker system (laughs) on the Land (laughs) Rover. And this, of course, pisses off the troll and he starts chasing Hans in his truck.
0: (laughs) The Christian jokes really are the best. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's so
2: good. Oh,
1: so they're following him on foot from a distance. We see Hans try to do battle with with the troll, and it's like shaky cam and from a distance, and he's like this little dot compared to this giant yeah. fucking troll, and he's shooting it with the death ray, and all it does is piss it off, and they end up all regrouping at the truck. And they drive around, blaring the the Jesus bait some more, <laughs> and this is when we get a direct ripoff of the Jurassic Park mirror shot of the troll running in the background. And the objects are closer than they yeah. appear, like, like 100%. He admits he's like, this is exactly why I did this. And um, <laughs> they suddenly come up on a local on the side of the road, and they scoop him up. Hans blasts the troll some more to try to stop it so they can get away again. That's what they do. Only this time, the troll's so close that they're, like, driving under its legs to get away from him. And yeah. he slaps their asses off the road. Fucking truck goes flying people start coming to Hans is already grabbing his death ray and telling the crew like hey, highways that way. I got a troll to kill.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he sets off to slay the beast and uh, he's shooting it over and over again. And the troll is very fucking sympathetic in the shot. I feel sorry for it. There's also that other troll movie where they go and get the skeleton of the trolls baby and they use it as bait. Have you seen that one? No, it's good. It's sad, but it's the same thing. It's trolls kill them with light. Like I think it's just called troll, but not troll troll no not that troll this is like a and this is a serious movie it doesn't lean into the comedy like troll hunter does but uh yeah it's fucked up anyways so i feel sorry for the troll in this scene and uh one one good blast to the chest as the pre-dawn light starts to make you know make it over the hills and shit and this giant fucker turns to stone and it's kind of one of those i mean i'm sure the new camera woman is like the fuck (laughs) everybody's trying to regroup and they see some people driving up and somebody's like, oh, fuck, it's Finn. So Thomas pockets the first hard drive out of the other camera because he was just talking about like, here it is. Here's our footage. The world's going to know. And he sticks them in his pockets. Right. And uh, <laughs> and he, uh, he grabs the camera from Malika and is the only one to escape from the main road off into this field while everybody else is getting caught by Finn. And Finn's men and all this shit. A big truck comes pulling up. And we abruptly cut to an epilogue. The recordings end here. Nobody was ever found in the mine, and the teenagers behind the recordings have vanished without a trace. We strongly encourage anyone with information about their fate to contact Film AS <laughs> or your nearest police station. It has been impossible to get the government to confirm the existence of the Troll Security Service. However, an indirect confirmation was given during Norwegian Prime Minister Jens Stolenberg's biannual (laughs) press conference in Oslo on June 25th, 2010. The press didn't get the point. So we then cut to this presser, and it's real. (laughs) Jens says, Power lines are unsightly, but Norway has trolls, so more power lines are needed. And then Finn's sitting next to him, looking at him like, "What the
0: fuck did you just say?" <laughs> right, right, right. On the dubbed version, it's uh, it's pretty funny because they're just talking about power lines and add them somewhere, and he's like, "Yeah, but we can't add power lines because all the trolls in there." You know? <laughs> like just nonchalantly. Yes! That's how it's said in the dubbed version. Yeah.
1: And uh, boom, title card credits the shit from the press conference is real they just edited it and the reason he says troll oh yes he's referring to the troll oil field so they were able to use an actual piece of footage and re-edit that dialogue to make him say that they have trolls (laughs) so troll must be
0: the the norwegian word for troll yes hey touche yeah
1: so uh that's fucking hilarious When you get to the very end of the credits, you get no trolls were harmed in the making of this movie. Yeah. And then there's a quick like jump scare of the, the mind trolls rushing the camera, like, uh, like eight frames and, and, and that's it. Now, everybody who's listened through this episode, who's seen these movies or especially if you haven't seen this one and you take the autopsy of Jane Doe (laughs) and fucking scary (laughs) stories to tell in the dark. And then you come back to troll hunter this this is this feels like fucking the story of evil dead the story of bad taste yeah it really yeah. you really got to look at it from that way of where this dude's like i got an idea this is fucking cheap let's just go do it and then they go on and do cool
0: things and right so you just compared andre overdall to sam Raimi and peter jackson i'm just i saying. know
1: i'm asking a lot it's fair <laughs> But you have to realize this is a fucking comedy and it's a Norwegian comedy is a little bit drier and it's also a little bit more on the nose. From my understanding, from what I've seen with this and like other stuff, at least from that part of the world. Yeah. As far as being different from our dick and fart joke humor that we typically have over. Right. And it's fun and it was shot on the cheap. I do have to bring up something really smart that Andre did on this, and I completely glossed over it in the opening. He had the VFX crew on site during filming. So, Makes sense. Everything they framed, like, oh, you can't do this. If there's a tree branch here, it's going to cost more to rotoscope it out, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Really smart to do that. Yeah. And the two main studios that worked on this were Storm Studios, who worked on Pixels and Watchmen. Okay. And Gimpville, who... Every, I, yeah, <laughs> okay. I know. Right. I dug and dug and the only things I can find that they for sure worked on without spending too much time were this and the other movie I was talking about troll. So Gimpville really likes making trolls more to the point on that, just that he was smart enough to think it all the way through and know what he needed to do to get it done and to stay within budget. And yeah, he did it. And it's like, like I said, it's like, it's like evil dead. It's like clerks. It's that holy fuck i better go for it i mean this guy for in film school at the end of film school everybody was supposed to do a short and he said fuck that yeah. i'm doing a feature-length film
0: when <laughs> yeah. all he had yeah. to do was a short he's like i already got the equipment here i might as well use it while i got it for free exactly this is what i think i heard him say and i interview. think it's
1: uh it's called future murder
0: Something like something that. Something
1: like that. And, that. and he says it'll never be released because of the licensing for all the fucking music they used in it. Which is the same story Adam Green. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam yeah. Green says the same story for why uh, Coffee and Donuts will never get released. Because they can never pay for all the licensing for the music. But anyways, <laughs> no, it's just fun. It's really fun that he did something this bonkers out the gate. But f- locally, this is like, it's fairy tale. It, it's folklore. It's, yeah. everybody over there
0: gets it. I mean, I got it here. I mean, it just, I it could have very well been an American movie to me. Cause I mean, other than the location, but you know, it, we have the same fucking troll legends here for the most part. I guess not everybody's a fucking nerd. knows. Well, see, that's site. what I was going to
1: say. See, we're cultured. Um, so- uh, is that the cool <laughs> word for nerd now? Uh, maybe, <laughs> but no, I dig it. I dig him. Like you talked about in the beginning. I really dig that everything he does is very different. I've got no fucking clue. You know, when we do these director's episodes, it's like, oh, I'd like to see him do a haunted house movie. I'd like to see him do a, this movie or that movie. I don't have anything. I don't fucking surprise right. me.
0: <laughs> I want to see him do the last voyage of the uh, That That's happening. Um, we get that.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, vampire
0: movie is what we'll get next. Thank you guys for taking this journey of an episode with us where we were both exhausted worked on the notes for months <laughs> I to remember what we typed and josh's internet shat out every seven minutes yeah
3: and
1: i, I i'm tired and buzzed so sorry <laughs> yeah
0: and i think we slogged through it pretty well and hopefully provided some more information to you on andre Overdahl that you didn't know and uh entertained you guys along the way and i'm kind of hoping that we make some longtime horror fans go back and watch scary stories because they they took a pass on it maybe we get them to go watch it and uh introduce troll hunter to new people but that's it for our andre overdahl episode so you guys are gonna have to tune in on the next episode where we cover dark superheroes i'm learning to live with a lot of things As usual, guys, thanks for downloading the show and spreading the word. Please do not forget to rate and review us online, and please send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, sbyspodcast at gmail.com.
1: We would also love it if you could follow our Twitter and Instagram, both at sbyspodcast. See you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening.
2: Stories heal. Stories hurt. If we repeat them often enough, they become real. They make us who we are. They have such power.